Hey everyone, welcome back to finishing coverage for what has been quite a season, a roller coaster of a season really, ups and downs, highs and lows, from eyes wide with surprise to eyes rolled in disgust. There was less gratuitous sex and nudity, but more sexual violence, more reliance on the actors, which is great, but less reliance on the source material, which of course is not great. I thought the music was the best it's ever been, and I think I speak for all book readers when I say this is the first season where a lot of us just had no idea what's going to happen. And that is, sometimes that's good, sometimes that's not, but I personally enjoyed that feeling of newness. Now, season five also featured the highest rated Game of Thrones episode of all time, and the lowest, Hard Home and Undoubt Unbent Unbroken, respectively, episodes eight and six. We lost some major characters, and beloved minor ones, too. There were lots of spoilers for the books, though there is much debating over what has or hasn't actually been spoiled. This is confusing in and of itself because we talked earlier this season about the fact that we've really lost sight of what a spoiler even is anymore. What we haven't lost sight of, I hope, is how to have fun with our favorite fandom in whatever form it comes. That's what we're aiming to capture here with our Season 5 Awards show. Yeah, so hello and welcome to another episode of History of Westeros podcast, a podcast dedicated to George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series, as well as HBO's Game of Thrones. This episode, of course, is discussing the television show, but it is as it relates to the books, and thus it has spoilers for all of the books, including The Winds of Winter, so if you are wary of those, then I would close this episode now. Right on. Now, Song of Ice and Fire is such a vibrant community. We've gotten to know over the years several other content creators, and we managed to tempt a few luminaries to join us today. So we're going to go around in a circle here and introduce all of our great guests. Of course, as you see here, Ashea is back again, which is great. But we also have our returning friends from Radio Westeros. We have Lady Gwyn. Hello. Great to be with you once more. And, of course, Yoke Boy. Hi guys, really glad to be back for this Game of Thrones orgy. Yeah, that's right. We also have Stefan Sasa. Tell us a, a bit about yourself, Stefan, and, and your uh, your place in the fandom. <laughs> my place in the fandom. Hi everyone. Uh, <laughs> it's my first time on the podcast. I'm an essayist for the Tower of the Hand, and I have my own blog at nerdstreamera.blogspot.com, and I've written extensively over the series and the books likewise. Right on, yeah. Um, we're certainly fans of your material here as well. And we also have the friggin' Italian Steve, the original founder of History of Westeros podcast. Been a while, huh, Steve? <laughs> yeah, it's been a minute. Yep, but uh, yeah, I'm here, and I'm uh, I'm very happy to be here. And thank you very much for inviting me. Right on, Steve. It's good to have you. And last but certainly not least, the Don Tony Teflon. How you doing, Tony? What's going on? If you don't know, you already know. I'm the Don Tony Teflon. You know, from House Teflon, Teflon 316. We pull the strings, and I'm very happy to be here. I'm a big fan of everybody on the panels. I have watched, listened to everything, the Boiled Leather podcast, everything out here. So I'm a big fan of everyone. It's just a blessing to be here with you. To do All this. right. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. We've, we, we've come up with a lot of great questions for our award show format here, which is basically going to be just a lot of best of, worst of, favorite, least favorite moments for the season. We've come up with some very straightforward questions and some that are a little sneaky and fun. So... A few bits of news to get out of the way before we start. First of all, we're going to proceed through this episode with all the questions, like I said. At the end, however, we're going to have our credits, and following the credits, we're going to have a discussion amongst the seven of us regarding the casting discussions. So if anyone doesn't want to be spoiled on casting news, there's quite a bit of juicy information there. You'll want to drop out during or after the credits. 
So keep an eye out for that. We're working on, over here at History of Westeros, the next few episodes you'll expect to see from us. We've got three in the pipeline, as well as a lot of others that are farther out in the pipeline. But the most three immediate ones are, are the next episode of the Blackfire Rebellions, the tragedy of Summerhall, and we're also going to do a support group episode, which is a book-centric episode about dealing with TV show changes and, and things that we may or may not have been spoiled on and how to deal with what's coming in Season 6 as well. So that'll be fun. Also, I want to correct myself. Something I, Sean and I talked about in our show-only review on Monday. We were wondering about whether HBO had ever done an animated series before, and some of you attentive uh, watchers and listeners pointed out that HBO did spawn the animated yes. series. And if I were here, I would have pointed out that they did Happily Ever After. Fairy tales for every child. Very diverse fairy tales. Uh, so they've at least done two. That's cool. So yeah, it is in their wheelhouse. Maybe it's been a while, but they've shown a willingness to do it in the past. Not sure if they'll do it again, but that'll be fun. <laughs> also, we have acquired a copy of Game of Thrones Monopoly, and we had an internet outage last night, so we checked it out. It's a lot of fun. It's really, really well made. The pieces are wonderful. So we're going to be giving away a few copies on social media, so you're going to want to Keep an eye out for that coming up. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and everything to uh, make sure you're in the loop for that. Also, I want to correct something I said about TWOW, which is going to give us, a, which is a perfect segue to our first question for everybody. And what I said was there was some news from Hamburg where George did a reading of a chapter from The Winds of Winter. It's a chapter he's already read before, an Ariane chapter, so nothing new there. But he did comment a briefly on how much progress he's made on The Winds of Winter. The information came to us. Well, it didn't come, it was a lot of times how second-hand information works out, it wasn't completely accurate. What I thought I heard was that there, he had about 500 more manuscript pages to write, which doesn't bode well for T.Y.L. being out before next season. However, that was wrong. It was a joke he made about saying he read the Arian chapter and said, oh, I still have 1,500 manuscript pages to write, as if that was the only thing he had written. So it was a joke completely taken out of context. So with that in mind, I'm going to get everyone's opinion or slash guess on when they think the Winds of Winter will be out not just whether it'll be out before next season or not, but in general. So I'm gonna, I'll start. I'll say, I'm gonna say it's a roughly 50-50 that he gets it out before the winds of, before uh, next season. What do you think, Shay? Whenever it comes, I'm in no rush in particular <laughs> to be honest myself. It'll come whenever. I'm, I'll be happy. Right on. Okay, Lady Gwen, what do you think? Fairly optimistic that he'll get it out uh, by March, which would mean finishing by the end of this year. Um, Maybe a 75% chance. Okay. Young boy, what do you think? I think that I'm optimistic too. Maybe I hang around with Lady Gwynn too much, but I'm optimistic and um, I'm going to go for February. Okay, cool. Stefan, what do you think? I'm going for 2016, but not necessarily for the season. All right, Steve, what do you think? I'm, uh, I'm uh, shooting for the end of the year, actually. Oh. Ooh, the most optimistic yet. All right, I like it. I like it. Tony, what do you think? <laughs> I definitely, I think he'll definitely have it out before the season starts next year, without a doubt. I think he's got more written than people give him credit for. He writes in big chunks, so mm -hmm. I think I think he'll have it out. I think he's got a lot there, you know. Cool. Well, let's uh, well let's hope. I certainly am pulling for myself to be wrong. I'm hoping for the optimistic guesses to be right. <laughs> I'm so just we... hoping that they have enough time to edit it properly. <laughs> yeah. uh, they're gonna rush it so much, it's gonna come across, but. It would be amazing if it came out during the TV season. I wonder if they even would do that. I wonder if they'd be like, oh, yeah. nah, let's wait. Let's hold off another couple weeks. I wonder if they'd even try that. That would be interesting. Mm. Big book release seasons, other than holiday, seems to be January and July. So Not that, they have, not that they're bound to that. But. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
All right, well, shout out to everyone who's watching us live here today. That's great that you could join us. You get to see the episode a little early, and for everyone else watching a little later, watching or listening later, maybe you'll be able to make the next live event. We're certainly going to have a few more in the future. There'll be book-centric topics when we do them. We're going to try to make it a little more regular thing, but we're still working out the details on how often. So you all send us feedback if you have ideas or suggestions as far as that goes. Okay, so we're going to start with a simple question. First of all, where does this season rate? We'll have to, I'm not expecting everybody to rate the seasons one through five, but is this your favorite, least favorite, or somewhere in the middle? Uh, Shay, we'll start with you this time. I'd say it's probably down there with season two for me. I'd have to go back and really rewatch season two to be fair to it. Right now I want to say season five is worse, but I'd have to really go back to season two. There were some things I really hated. Okay. Lady Gwynn, what do you think? I agree with that 100%. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to watch season two, but it's kind of, yeah, that can happen. <laughs> in that range, huh? Yeah. Okay, Yoke Boy, what about you? I'll say it's it's my least, least favorite season, but I do remain philosophical. I think that, you know, in a show that's going to have seven or eight seasons... You do you do often see a drop around the season five. It's happened even with great shows like the the Wire had a couple of dodgy seasons. So let's hope they can pull pull things up a notch next year. Right on. Okay, Stefan, what do you think? I have actually rewatched season two uh, not that far uh, ago uh, for a book project. So uh, season two still remains the worst in my opinion, <laughs> and I would put season five in the middle space where you can really make out which one uh, ranks which compared to the rest of them, so it's not that bad, no. Okay. And uh, Steve, how about you? Um, I'm pretty much in the middle. Season 2 d- did kind of stink for me. <laughs> but uh, but it had its moments, I, I would say, but I wouldn't go anywhere near close to calling it my favorite. Okay. Tony? As bad as Season 2 was, this was worse. And this was, this <laughs> oh, was wow. Of the middle, and that's who I feel, and that's it. That bad pussy. Oh. Bad pussy says it all. Oh. That says it all. That says it all. That's it. The line that sums it up for you. That was I, if, if we had included category for worst line of the season, that would be a nominee for yeah. sure. Yeah, that would be the winner. I think it would well, be yeah. De facto winner. <laughs> the worst line from the probably the worst plot line, but we'll we'll see about that. First of all. Well, I was going to do favorite plot line first, but with that segue, let's do least favorite plot line. So the nominees for least favorite plot line are the Sons of the Harpy, just Dorn in general, all of it, uh, the Sansa Ramsey Littlefinger thing, and then Stannis' campaign. Now, that's interesting because some of these things are, there's different reasons to dislike them. Some just because we're disappointed with how it went. Some just because it was just low quality with acting and writing not being very good. So it's a lot of reasons, so it's kind of a matter of what you what stands out to you as the, the most as what you dislike. We'll start with uh, Lady Gwynn this time. What do you think, Lady Gwynn? Least favorite plot line. Really torn between Dorn and Sons of the Harpy, and I'm going to have to go with Sons of the Harpy just because it didn't make any sense to me. At least <laughs> Dorn, as bad as it was, had some, you know, had some logic or clarity to it. So. Okay, young boy, what do you think? I think Dawn was truly forgettable this year. I think, you know, I'm not the first. I think a lot of people think this. And you can take very little away from from it, really. It was just not very good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Stefan? 
I think there can be no question it's Dorn. Uh, it was so bad, <laughs> everything else pales in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Steve? Um, yeah, I found I found most of it to be dry the entire season. It just it just wasn't interesting, um, <laughs> with the exception of uh, we finally get to see Jon Snow's stabbing at the end. That was it. Yeah. So you think you think Dorn was your least favorite, or was all you, of it. Dor- Dorn, Dorn, and Sons of the Harpy storyline. <laughs> all four. It, it, it all stunk. <laughs> Tony, I'm you- sorry, but it did. <laughs> nah. Tony, what about you? What do you think? I think there is no doubt that it's Dawn. I, I mean, it, it, it was terrible. Terrible. It really was. It was just a. <laughs> it was a waste of time. <laughs> it, it, the act, oh. uh, the the fight scene was the worst fight Ooh. scene I've seen. Uh, I mean, right. I've seen better fight scenes in Arrow <laughs> than that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll close it out and say that I agree that Doran was the weakest. I almost think, yeah, I guess I almost think we didn't even need to bother with this question. <laughs> you didn't even ask me my answer. You got to sink in. Oh, yeah. What, what's your I, I tried, my I answer? Skip you. I, as much as I would like to not say Doran because I would, have, I would like to say that the scenery was good enough for me to salvage it, but I honestly didn't like how they did the scenery either. I didn't think it looked like water gardens. I didn't think the, the yeah. Northern Ireland like coast they were on looked like Dorn. So Dorn too, sadly. Okay. <laughs> Six out of seven picked Dorn. Well, Steve sort of picked everything. So. Yeah, that's the whole thing. So the winner is Dorn. Unsurprisingly, the winner is Dorn. Wow. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Okay, so now we let's 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 get positive. Let's say favorite plot line lo- by location. We'll say here's the nominees. We have Marine, including the road to Marines, so and that includes Tyrion, Jorah, Varys, and their journeys on the way. So that kind of pumps it up a little bit because I know that was a fun part. King's Landing includes all the the stuff with the, with the High Sparrow and Loras and Marjorie and Olena. So there's a lot of good and bad there. And then we have Winterfell in general with the Boltons and Sansa and Theon. And we have Stannis in the north with his whole campaign, including his time at the Wall. And then we have the Wall itself, but excluding the Stannis aspect, just the, the Night's Watch itself, including Hardhome. So this time we'll start with Yoke Boy. Yoke Boy, favorite plot line? Marine, My favorite King's plot Landing, line. Winterfell, Stannis, or the Wall? I think I'm going to go with King's Landing. I thought that... As a plot line, you know, not individual plot points, but as a plot line, the Thursday thing was coherent. They spent time on it to develop it. The High Sparrow was a great addition. There was tension, and I thought the the walk of shame at the end and also the introduction of Robert Strong was done really well. So I I give it to uh, King's Landing this year. Okay, cool. Stefan? I think the wall, uh, especially given how bad the storyline of the wall has been in previous seasons, I think you have to give it a shout out this season because it was comparably even stronger, but is still the best episode uh, by far was at the wall with Hardhome. Uh, Jon Snow was it, his Jon Snowiest ever. And literally, <laughs> <laughs> this was the first season in which I really cared what happens at the wall. Oh. And, and in which it wasn't just a thing that, oh, yeah, yeah, that happened too, uh, where it really took center stage and came into its own. So, yes, the wall. All right. Steve, what do you think? Um, I really I really did like the wall storyline, but I'm going to have to give it to King's Landing, mostly because we finally got to see Cersei's walk of shame. Mm. <laughs> that was one of the better scenes of the season, too. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, Tony, what about you? I think that the payoff in King's Landing was probably the best that we got in the season, but I'm going to give it to Marine because Tyrion and Jorah, to me, worked the best this season overall more than anything, any other two people in the story together. I like their story together, seeing the fit the best. Okay. Nice they did do the job. And uh, Lady Gwen, what about you? Uh, I'm going to have to go with King's Landing. High points, definitely, in Marine and the Wall. Uh, I agree with those, but uh, King's Landing, as a whole, every every scene there had some good Okay. Good sure. Yeah, I'm... Uh... Stefan made some good arguments for the wall. He almost convinced me there because he's, it's true. That has that is the most I've ever cared about the wall and all that. But I still King's Landing. I was just every scene I like. I don't know any scene that I really dislike there. And I really liked uh, Tommen. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tommen was good. <laughs> felt yeah. bad for him. It was good. Yeah, I felt bad for him when he was at the uh, sept, you know, getting turned away. It was, yeah. It's one of those things where even if you've just like hated the Lannisters for so long, you just can't help but feel for Tom in a bit. Yeah. 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 I, it's, it's a close call for me between King's Landing and The Wall. I think I'm going to give it to The Wall because I, I really liked Hard Home. It was exciting, but I also really I thought the acting was a notch higher. Eamon's death scene was just really, really wow. sad and amazing, and Eamon in general was really good. So I'm going to go ahead and give it to The Wall, but it looks like King's Landing was the winner. Looks mm-hmm. like we had, I think it was three or four people picked King's Landing. So the winner is King's Landing. Well yeah. played, King's Landing. Good job, Cersei. Good job, Robert Strong and Kyburn and Littlefinger <laughs> and Lancel and all you folks. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the best action moment. Brief moment of action that you thought was the most fun, most exciting, or perhaps most satisfying. That's we'll easy. Start, we'll start this time with Stefan. And the nominees are Theon shoving Miranda. John killing the samurai White Walker, Jamie catching the sword in his hand, Jorah making the incredible spear throw from the pit to the box, uh, Tyrion beating up the, the slave auctioneer guy, or the murder of Marin Trent. You know, this is actually a pretty complicated one for me because one of the things I have consistently criticized about the show is the fighting choreography. And uh, so taking one... Uh, favorite action moment and not a favorite action scene really is difficult. So I am going with uh, Jamie catching the sword, not because of Jamie catching the sword being so cool, but because it was the only realistic fight, quote-unquote, that we saw the whole season. So this Dorn fighting scene, which is, I think, the only salvageable Dorn scene in the whole season, uh, that's my (laughs) favorite action moment. All right, right on. Okay, Steve, what about you? I'm going to have to go with Dora. I, I thought that was just absolutely amazing. Didn't really know it was happening either at first. You're like, what is he doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, because that didn't happen in the books. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, right on. Tony, what about you? What's your favorite pick there? Oh, it's very hard to pick. That's uh, 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 actually moment. I would have to say I'll go with Jon Snow. He's the only one on set that actually looks like he cares about fighting scene and actually practices uh-huh. fighting out of everybody. So I, I guess for his, his dedication, I'll give yeah. him. That's a good point. That's a good point. I hadn't considered that one. Michelle, what about you? Uh, yeah. Definitely 100% Jamie catching the sword. I <laughs> thought that was like one of my favorite moments of the whole season. Throughout all the books, I've like since Jamie lost his hand, I've wanted him to just like attach something to his hand to do something. <laughs> and so I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that that was my favorite moment too because. Hey, you forgot me. Well, we're uh, uh, we're coming with you. You're, you're yeah. you'll get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I thought that I was just so surprised because actually during the scene I was yelling at the TV going, hit him with your hand, do use your hand, and then he did use it and it was completely unexpected, so the mm. surprise value along with the comedic value along with the action, just everything merged really well together for me, so I, I thought that was great. Okay, so Lady Gwen, favorite action moment. That that's tough. I think really probably the Jamie, but I re I really want to say Miranda just for sheer emotional <laughs> satisfaction. <laughs> well, you'll have, you'll have most satisfying death. Yeah, most satisfying death is coming. No, up I can hold off for that one. Okay, well then I'll have to give it, I'll have to give it to Jamie for action. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Yoke boy, what about you? I think I'm gonna go with. Seal and shoving Miranda because oh. because of the thud the head made. <laughs> the sound design of it. Yeah, she's not that, flat. She's not that big of a girl either. <laughs> That's yeah. She's the stick. She's like a stick figure falling. <laughs> she must so have had like... a really bad headache after that one. <laughs> I bet. So it looks like Jamie catches sword is the winner, and uh, Theon shoving Miranda snuck in there for second place. <laughs> well, along with. Samurai White Walker. There Samurai White Walker got in there as well. Yeah. That's true. Okay, so worst. So next one. Yes. The worst action scene. We get to circle around yes, and do we the. Do. Now um, I think it's Steve's turn to start. It's my turn up. to introduce it, though. This is my category. Right on. Now, in my opinion, all of these scenes are the worst action scenes because <laughs> I hate all action. But I hate all. Given the choice, here are the choices: the Sand Snake okay. versus Braun and Jamie in the Water Gardens. Sam versus the rapists at Castle Black. The never-ending story scene at Daznet's pit. Uh, that the whole pit scene. Yeah, which is uh, Danny riding the dragon. Yeah, riding the dragon away, yeah. and the dragon burning everyone. Uh, Barristan's last stand against the sons of the harpy, and then the stone men attacking Jorah and Tyrion. Now, real quick, I want to point out that some of these are also nominated for best action scene. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're allowing for a very wide uh, version of opinions. There's a fine line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll see that same theme later in the episode with when best death and worst deaths are, are also some of the same <laughs> some same characters. Yes. So now, uh, first off, Aziz, okay. what's your worst? I will have to go with the Sand Snakes versus Braun and Jamie. I thought it was pretty silly, and not only was it kind of silly, but social media made it even sillier by bringing out the worst moments and really highlighting them and showing Tyene just, like, shimmying up to Braun, like, Holding the knives all awkwardly, and yeah, just, I give them, I almost want to give them a little bit of, of leeway, because we've heard, we heard after the fact that they, had, they were really rushed, they only had 10 days to film that. And they had to prepare, they had to train separately. Yeah, but that means that they shouldn't have, maybe they yeah. should have done another plan altogether. So mm -hmm. I'll still, I'll still go with that. Yeah, it just means I'm not going to blame the actors. Yeah. But, um, okay, uh, Tony. What, what was your least favorite? This is not even close. The Sand Snakes and Braun was just the worst I have ever seen in my life. I looked like my silly. children in the backyard with fake swords could have did a better job than they did. If, if you had to rush it and be that bad, then don't put it out. You know, have have a quality standard. You know, and, and right. that's it. Just use that. It was terrible. Xena. Was better than that. Xena, all the stupid moves. I wow. heard that comparison made. The Xena comparison. Funny. Okay, Steve, what do you think? Uh, me? Oh well, uh, I'm gonna go with Barristan. Barristan, okay. Yeah, that one just it just it ticked me off because Barristan was supposed to be this. He was the Lord Commander at one time, and, and all of a sudden he's just killed off, you know, with a quick dagger. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, Stefan, what do you think? 
the, it's not even close to Sand Snake's Brawny Jamie. It is <laughs> so bad, so ridiculously bad. If you can't yeah. choreo, if you can't do a fight scene, probably don't give anyone a whip, which is <laughs> one of the most complicated weapons to use. <laughs> and I really don't. Uh, yeah. and right, and if their plan is to kill Marcello, why didn't they do it right then? Yeah. Right, like that makes it no, no, yet no, another no, thing. is the first yeah. victim in Dorne. It has been poisoned and stepped and whipped and uh, spear thrown through head. Logic. There you go. Uh, all right. Uh, Yop Boy, what do you think? I think that it's the Sand Snakes versus Bron. I f don't think I can say anything. Tony kind of nailed it when he said it was <laughs> like children playing in the backyard with fake swords and stuff. <laughs> that, that's all that needs to be said. Right, Bron, I'm running agree. away with another are one. You, are you agreeing yeah. with everyone else? It's the Sand Snakes? Uh, for yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the cartoon scene, yes. Definitely. Yeah, in my case, I guess Sand Snakes, where it's like I said, they're all equally bad. I'm not going to choose any one in particular. I, irrelevant. I, I, except for the Stone Man. I like the Stone Man scene because it actually scared me. Cool. But, uh, <laughs> Sand Snake wins in a landslide. At least, yeah. it wasn't, at least not everyone picked not it. So at least we had a little bit of different yeah, voice little, there. Yeah, a little different. Okay, so uh, Yoke Boy, time to, or, or is Lady Gwen introducing this one? No, it's me. Uh, it's me. It's, it's, I'm going to, uh, I'll be a host for this next <laughs> one. So action scenes are very important in Game of Thrones to bring it to the visual medium. And they've had an increased budget since season one. It's just grown and grown. And sometimes it kind of resembles like a Hollywood film, I think. So this season had uh, rich pickings for action scenes. The nominees are Hard Home, Dasnak's Pit, Jura's Minor League Pit, Barristan's Last Stand with Grey Worm, The Stone Men, or Sweet Robin's Training. That's a cheeky one. And, and last but not least, Brienne and Pod versus The Veilman. I'm going to go with my personal choice is Hard Home. I think this was top-rate TV, brilliant action. I, I, I don't think you can really say much against it. Also, there was the element of the surprise, even for book readers, that it was going to take up half an episode. I would really love to know how much that costs, and you know, congrats to HBO for investing in, in that and it actually paying off. It was, just, it was almost perfect, in my opinion. Okay, so next, uh, Lady Quinn, what do you think? Hard home, definitely, by far. And that's it? <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. It speaks Enough said. Yes. <laughs> Stefan, what, what was your favorite? Hard home. Uh, there can be no question about it. Hard home was pretty perfect. What I don't understand is what Jorah's minor league pit is doing in this category and <laughs> what he's missing in the other one because I think it's right up there with the sand snakes. But okay. <laughs> Steve, what was your favorite action scene? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have to go with hard home as well with everybody else. I thought it was the best. Oh, I don't even know how to word it. Choreography behind it was just the best of the season. Not the best of the show, per se, but it was the best of the season. Okay. Uh, Tony, what's your favorite action scene? I think that's no question, Autumn. I think that's I, I, what's better. It could be the best action scene I've ever seen on TV from top to bottom. I, it was phenomenal. I don't. I like that the best without a doubt. It's not even close. 
Okay, great. Um, Ashea, what was your favorite? Well, I'll say that I, I'm the one that said that we should include Sweet Robin's training. Because <laughs> I love that scene. Best, best action. We rewatched it recently. It is so funny. Just Bronjian Royce is just so disgusted. He's just like, don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, <laughs> then he falls down. He just trips over his own feet. It's really quite that actor getting credit. Now i got to rewatch it. I almost want to pick that one too, but I'll go with Hard Home. I had so much fun with Hard Home, and it was just so much fun with. I also just enjoyed how much everyone else enjoyed it. <laughs> Fandom blowing up over it, I actually just made the whole thing better. And I almost feel like this, just like the some of the other categories, the way some of these questions are sweeping, we should have had second best action scene <laughs> because uh, that would actually been a challenge. Yeah, that would have been a more of a challenge. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the next one. Let's have let's go with most epic moment. So this is as far as a, a short thirty second or less scene where it was just really epic, something really something that was really cool and uh, on a grand scale. So the nominees are Down Comes the Harpy, the big brass bronze mm -hmm. harpy, whatever metal it was, coming white down rat. with white rat. rat. Yeah, right at season one or episode one rather. Then Night King with his come at me crow, come at me snow, come at me bro moment, raising the dead. And then in the same scene, the whites plummeting off the cliff like lemmings, which was just chilling and awesome. And then Drogon in the pit, all manner of flames and burning and spear throwing and everything like that flying off. Oh, we'll start with Tony this time. I'd like to nominate the boob shot in the jailhouse scene. <laughs> that's the most right in vote for Tony's boobs. Yeah, that's that's oh, the only man. thing that worked mm -hmm. into me. Um, <laughs> but I, I really I'd have to go with the whites coming off like lemmings. I thought that was just magnificent, that shot right there, which I don't understand. You know, I see a car accident or a little fight, and I got to go tell everyone I see. How do these guys see that in the Night's Watch and not tell nobody about it? <laughs> I would have I told everybody I see, and I was, you should have seen these things coming off the wall. Like, this whole little thing, I would have been going crazy. These guys are not going stoic like it was nothing. <laughs> we had a long conversation about how does John tell the rest of the realm? Like, how does he get this? Yeah, so I saw the Night's King, and, you know, oh, he rose I all saw this dead. dude. Yeah, like, he wrote, like, I gotta run, put that in writing and send it out to everybody. Don't believe me. Yeah. <laughs> zombie okay, uh, so Lady Gwen, your pick. Yeah, that one. The zombie avalanche. Okay. Zombie avalanche. It's got great. <laughs> okay, young boy. I'm gonna go with uh, the Knights King raises the dead. Uh, I'll, I'll go with this one because I really like the the kind of zombie lemming thing too. But this came at the end of the sequence and it was a, a great kind of tail end just to kind of come on then Jon Snow. <laughs> you know, the the look of the um, the Night's King just without any kind of fear or emotion just, you know, I haven't had any damage. You know, these dead are mine. I thought it was great. Yeah, right on. Okay, Stefan? I think the Night's King uh, raises the dead scene uh, is uh, the best epic moment, but it is really close. And I w want to use this opportunity because the interesting thing about all these choices, minus tagging the poop shot, uh, <laughs> is that if you read them on paper, everything, every one of these moments should work perfectly, you know? All of those are epic moments in their own right, but some of them come off much more epic than others. And I think this shows us how difficult it is to really pull off 
pull off television on a quality level like that. All of those scenes should work, but some don't for some reason, and I can't even tell you why. The harpy coming down was shot perfectly, but it didn't touch me in a way the zombie avalanche or the Night's King did. But I can't point my finger to why. That's a good point, yeah. I, I would also have difficulty describing why, but I kind of see what you mean. All right, Steve, what do you think? I really, really want to go with Night King, but I am actually going to go with Drogon entered in pit. Okay. I thought that was this magnificently played out, and it was exactly how I pictured it in the books. Cool. All right, Ashea? You know, I actually did like the harpy shot a lot, but I kind of have some resentment because like, it's a weird thing for them to spend CGI on, I felt. Yeah. Like, it was a really cool shot. It was like first episode, we're seeing it in the big screen, it was like especially epic to me, but I have that, that kind of ruins it for me, because I'm like, why did they spend money on that and time on that? <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, I'm going to have to go with Knights King Race Dead, because all the reaction gifts. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm kind of torn on the two hard home scenes as well, personally. I'm going to go with him raising the dead. I think one was more awesome, and the other was more chilling, and I think the chilling one was a little bit more epic, and the fact that it was the final scene, I think, is a slight nod there. So the winner is Night's King Raises the Dead by a narrow margin. Yeah. Well done, Night's King. <laughs> <laughs> okay, quick quick shout-out here before the next set of questions. Shout-out to Don the Kraken Wit and company. I know some of you guys are watching live. They did... The longest ever YouTube Game of Thrones analysis question and answer video. I don't know if actually, what was it? Q&A. It was just a long discussion video. Five and a half hours. Woo! Good lord. Some, a lot of other uh, good YouTubers and fun people. And uh, <laughs> good job, guys, on your epic uh, recording there. <laughs> I don't know how. I, I, we, you know, it's, I can talk about Game of Thrones for that long. All of us can. It's just it's, it's so yeah. evolving. It's an evolving topic. But still... Five and a half hour recording. That is for me. It's the sitting right that's... here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I'm laying, if I'm laying down in bed or standing <laughs> around, sure, no problem. But uh, let's. I guess we should move on to the character awards. Right on the character awards. Okay, so now we have a bunch of character-centric topics. First of all, we'll start with the favorite show version this season only, which is kind of hard to separate in your mind sometimes, mm -hmm. but it's at least the freshest thing in our in our in our brains. Favorite show version of point of view character. So the nominees are Jon Snow, Tyrion, Davos, Sam, Danny, and Arya. You'll notice a few POVs were not in there. No Cersei. There's no Cersei, there's no Sansa, there's no Jamie, and there's no Brienne. Yeah. But mostly because those characters either we just know no one's going to vote for them or because they weren't present enough. Cersei might have actually, actually Cersei should be on this list. All right. Let's okay. add Cersei. Start this time with Shay. We'll start with you this time. Sam. Okay. I love Sam. We had some good talk of him talking about history stuff. His stuff. He's clearly going to Old Town, which I can't separate in my mind. He's going to Old Town. <laughs> I was right. It is happening. Uh, even though he didn't do a whole lot, but yeah, him. All right, Lady Gwen, your pick. It's tough, but I think I rule out a couple right off the bat. But it, I think I'm going to go with Arya. Okay. Um, just because Bravos as a whole didn't disappoint me. Right on. Much. Okay, Yoke Boy? Yeah, I'm going to go with Arya too. I think that she they've picked a fantastic actress, that she's been great all the way since season one and grown into the role. It's it's a really good characterization of one of my favorite book characters, and I think she pulled it off well. This season was great for Arya, as Lady Gwyn says in Bravos. Right on. Okay, Stefan? Well, this is really a hard question, but I'm going to go with uh, Sam, too. Okay. I like the emotional moments that he 
Cool. All right. Um, Steve, yeah, your pick. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm actually kind of disappointed that you didn't include Sansa. You can write her in. You can vote for her if you want. Well, I, no, no. I, I, I'm going to stick with the list, and I'm going to go with Sam. Okay. And uh, Sam, Sam was definitely my, my, my pick to follow up. Cool. All right. Tony, your pick. I got to go with uh, Tyrion. I like Tyrion. I thought it was uh, most faithful to the books. I mean, you go got a guy here who uh, went from uh, handing shit out of a box to ruling Marine by the last episode. So, you know, when you look at it like that. That is quite uh, a I, I, I yeah. got to go with that guy right there. <laughs> okay, my pick. I'm going to go... It's a tough choice. I think I'm going to yeah. have to go with... I think I'm gonna have to go with Tyrion. Also, I'm always oh. a big fan of Tyrion, and he he, he always gives just Sam the win. it does give Sam the win. It goes Sam three, Arya two, and Tyrion two. So, good job there for uh, for uh, Sam, Arya, and Tyrion get the honorable mentions. <laughs> Shea, you want to introduce the next guy? Yeah, right? now we have our favorite minor characters. If we didn't include your minor character, please do speak up and mention. Uh, we yeah. have Shireen, of course, little historian Shireen. Mm -hmm. uh, we have Septa Supreme, as we call her, you know, Septa Scalera, the shame, shame. <laughs> it wasn't Unella, it was Scalera? That, that, I, I thought it was Unella, you told me it was Scalera, so it's, it's whatever, it's both oh, of them. Okay, Un Unellera. Yes, Septa Supreme. Baker Unella. <laughs> <laughs> All septas into one. Um, then we have Knights King, Olena, and One One. Right on. Okay, so let's ask you first, Aziz. Okay, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Night King, and I think that he's not a book character. I'm guessing he's not going to be an actual book uh -huh. character. I'm, I'm guessing there is no boss other in the books. So, but I think they it was a really good, compelling villain, and I think that it's bonus points in my mind that they cre kind of created a character sort of okay. that they did a good job with. All these other characters are basically pretty good versions of their book version. Yeah, pretty good versions of their book version, but Night King being such a new and kind of unique thing, I'm going to go ahead and give him the nod. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with you now, Tony. I'm going to take the Night's King, too. I like the Night's hmm. King. I don't know if he what they made him up or not, or if he is in the books. I mean, I, whatever, but I, I like the Night's King character. I think that uh, my dad, uh, close with, with, uh, with, with Shireen, but uh, Night's King. Okay. Steve? I really, really wanted to go with 1-1, one -one, mm. but he barely in there. So, <laughs> so I'm going to have to go with Night's King on this one. Oh, wow. Oh, he's running away with it. I can't believe it. Okay, <laughs> step on. Who are you going to choose? I have to give it to Shireen. Cool. Because not, not only uh, was she incredible in the performance, which is always a problem with child's actors, but she uh, she also nails all the emotional impact, and this could have gone wrong on so many levels, and it didn't. And I think much of it is owed to the actress here, so Shireen. Okay. Yoke boy. Yeah, I'm I'm with Stefan. I was going to really point out how well she she acted, and she was very very sweet, and that really hit the you know made what happened even worse for the viewer because. Of the performance of Shireen, it was incredible. Mm, okay, uh, Lady Gwyn. Also Shireen. Oh! She, they developed wow. her very well, and uh -huh. echoing the sentiments about the actress, she was just phenomenal. Uh, I'm also going to go to Shireen. Uh, my second choice would have been Olena, who I love Olena, but mm -hmm. Shireen's talk, like, all her talking about history and all that, and, and her acting was really good, and, and I've liked her in general, so 
her, 100%. How about that? The first three votes were nice. <laughs> he looked like he was running away with it, and then four in a row for Shereen. Yep. Shereen yeah. takes it down. Shereen squad. Wow, <laughs> Shereen squad. <laughs> Shereen burns the Night's King. <laughs> Real fire and ice question here. <laughs> okay, so yeah, here's, a, here's a slightly unusual question. It's another character question, but we're going to try to get to your, to our feelings and try not to be overly analytical about this one. So this is least favorite character in terms of emotional reaction. Doesn't have to be any logic to it. You just don't like this character for whatever reason. You see them on screen. It could be the acting. It could be the character. It could be even how it's written in the book. You might hate this character in the books as well. There's a lot of nominees for this one, <laughs> more than normal, and you'll, you'll, some of these are almost funny. All right, so Tyene, Obara, Elaria, Ollie, Ramsey, Marin Trent, Littlefinger, Stannis, Cersei, Melisandre, and Brienne. Now, I know some of these characters are actually people's favorites, so it's kind of funny to see this again, mm -hmm. but we're all different here. We have different opinions, so we'll start with Steve this time. Steve, who is your, you just can't oh, stand him or her? Obara. Obara? She drives me absolutely crazy. I I think she was so arrogant. <laughs> that frowny face of hers. Is yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> Did she even have more than one line? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, Tony, what's about your pick? Uh, since it's an emotional reaction, my... Uh, my least favorite character is my favorite character, and that's Stannis Baratheon. Really, uh, oh. really let me down. If this is the way that it goes down in the books, I don't think it actually it would be the same way. But if he does burn his daughter and he has something to do with it or anything like that, I would something I would have never thought that the character would do. So without a doubt, Stannis Baratheon. Okay, interesting. Right on. That's why I included him because yeah, it can be the portrayal of the character that can be so disappointing. All right, Stefan, what about you? I'm really torn between Ilaria and Merrin, mm. both because they are so vilified, but I guess I'm going with Merrin because making him pedophile was just so too much and so unnecessary in my opinion. So he gains my least favorable emotional reaction of the season. Okay. Yuck boy? Abara, because there just wasn't any reaction there, <laughs> so she's my least favorite. It was just a kind of cartoon, you know. At, at least uh, Tyen got some development, but you know, Abara just had not only one line but one face in the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it was a bigger friend. Don't forget to steer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lady Gwen, what about you? Well, yeah, this is an interesting question because emotional reaction. Uh, I'd go. I'm going to go with. Obara for the lack of emotional reaction. Um, <laughs> if you wanted to know, like, who do I really hate vehemently, it would be Ramsey. Mm. But I think give it to Obara. Doran is just really racking up the awards today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, um, the good, the bad kinds. Uh -huh. Okay, Ashea, and you? Alaria, 100%. I just, in terms of just, just spitting in the face of her book character, of everything she stands yeah. for, everything I loved about that character, and just like, in the guise of like combining, like taking the, the position of Ariane when she's not, so I have to constantly like say, no, she's not taking her place. This is not what Ariane wanted at all. And the fact that they could have just killed her there, I blame it all on Ilaria. It's, it's all possible her. she's the most like attitudinally changed character in the entire adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. Catelyn Stark had some big changes too, yeah. and that was part of what I really hated about her changes um, in terms of wanting revenge and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, uh, myself, 
I'm I'm glad none of us said Ollie. The fandom yeah. will just hated Ollie so much, and of course, I think even though, and that's why I said emotional reaction because I, you yeah. know, so a lot of us, some people hate Ollie and realize that they shouldn't hate Ollie, yeah. <laughs> but they just couldn't help themselves. So I'm kind of glad that none of us picked him, and I'm not going to change that. I'm not going to pick him either. I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely say Obara as well. Oh. So she's gonna win, and yes. it's the same thing. She kind of personifies the weakness of the Dorn plot. Just it's this. Overly simplified, and I didn't think her acting was very good. So she kind of encapsulates all the things that were wrong with Dorn, all at once, all, all the way down to the nipple breastplate. Her bad acting <laughs> was even more shitty, basically, because you know she's an award. You know she's been like nominated for awards. She's been in all sorts of great movies. Wow. Like out of all the actresses being added, Sansing, she was the most well known, renowned. That makes it more disappointing, even yeah. on top of that. Yeah. All right, Obara takes it down with four yeah. votes there out of seven. Yeah. Okay, oh, Shay, right. take us away. All right, so now the next category is creepiest character. By mm. you know whatever creepy means to you personally, we have Marin and his you know pedophilia, pretty creepy. We have Melisandre who wanted to burn Shireen and try to hook up with Jon Snow, pretty creepy. <laughs> Night's King, also traditional uh, creepiness. Yes, there. traditional. Miranda, <laughs> yeah, pretty creepy. Ramsay. Yeah, Highburn, mm. <laughs> who mm. isn't that creepy in the show to me? So he's more creepy in the books. That, yeah, there's no he doesn't do his torturing. And, yeah, and, Robert yeah. Strong, woo, uh, <laughs> the High Sparrow, which I, I guess I see it, and of course Tristane Martell, so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> Stefan is shaking his head like what? <laughs> <laughs> is this an inside joke? <laughs> With his V neck. Uh, yeah, okay. That was sort of a, a humorous inclusion. Yeah. Not entirely. I don't know. Maybe someone's really creeped out by him. You don't know. Maybe I'll choose him. You might. Um, all right, we're going to start this time with Yofoy. So are you there? Okay, I'm going to say Kaiban. I was rather surprised to see you say that he didn't seem creepy in the show. I know he's a lot, a lot creeper in the books. Yeah. You talk Lou Bard takes nipples off. But yeah. re remember, uh, someone came down to his basement and he was kind of cutting up a rat. This is what he does in his free time. You know? this, <laughs> is his, this is his leisure activity. And also he has this kind of dead body that sits up and he talks to it like it's his little pet. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with, with Kyburn. Right All right, I think that's pretty valid. I still think he yep. looks like a sweet old man in the show. He got me. He's got me here. Um, all right, let's go with uh, Lady Gwen. What do you think? I'm going to have to go with Marin Trant, the pedophile. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's see. Tony. I, I think Ollie. I hate Ollie. Ollie. He's, he's Ollie. He we didn't include him. We just, just, no, he, just, he was just popping up like Chucky. Every time John would just come around, you see Ollie just <laughs> pop up Chucky. behind John. Like, would it, like, it was just terrible. He, he, he was just there all the time. Every time John's name was mentioned, Ollie's head. Right after you see it. He's got a bit of an Obara frown going, too. Right. <laughs> Every time they mention John's name, Ollie's head popped up. Every time. All right, uh, Stefan, who do you think is creepiest? 
I'm going with Miranda uh, because right. on, yeah, yeah. On the one hand, uh, she is in the uh, the storyline that gave us the most surprises because we simply didn't know how it would pan out, and you, you never knew what she was going to do because you had no reference uh, to hang on, and uh, she had the opportunity to do a lot of stuff. Actually, she didn't do that much, uh, but I, as a viewer who read the books, was always creeped out the most by Miranda simply because I couldn't place her anywhere. Yeah. That's a really great point in terms of her unpredictability. I, I almost convinced me. I still have my answer ready. But uh, Steve, <laughs> who do you think is creepiest? Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Marin Trant. Uh, okay. He was just a dirty, dirty old man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I was. But Melisandre is a close second. Oh, <laughs> right on. All right. Um, Aziz. Okay. I. <sighs> That's a tough one. I, it's, it, it, I confuse myself by the different types of creepiness here. We have creep, traditional creepiness. We have pedophilia creepiness. We have you know cutting up <laughs> creepiness. And so I'm gonna, but I think I'm gonna go with Robert Strong actually. Just the way that his eyes looked behind the mask. I was really looking. Part of this is I was really looking forward to seeing the character on screen. Wasn't sure we'd actually get to see him this season. I thought he'd probably be there at the end of the walk, but I thought maybe they would not do that because you know you never know what the show. Yeah. And just seeing him on screen was just really surprising, and I did feel a little bit creeped out, just the way his, the blue face and the eyes and how big he is. I pulled it off. I was really, I was really pleased by that. So I'm gonna go with Robert Strong. That was my answer as well. That's what I oh, say. Right. Almost convinced me, but Robert Strong was just so like deeply creepy to me. Yeah. She was letting him touch her like that. <laughs> I was like, ah, he just crush her. Yeah. So that was a two-way tie. It was. It looks like we were all well divided on that. So there are two votes for Robert Strong and two for Marin Trance. It looks like the uh, the Kingsguard takes it down. What? <laughs> 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 yeah. well, just real quick, did, have they given him a name on the show? I mean, we call him Sir Robert Strong because yeah. we know that's what he is, but he doesn't even have a name on the show yet, does he? Not yet. Okay. He's not a new Kingsguard. He's taking a vow of silence. Yeah, a <laughs> vow of silence. Yeah. And, the, and they've the 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 Kingsguard the, the council took a vow of not knowing how to count to seven. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. I was just gonna assume that like Ares died in Dorne. I guess. And then but there were five Kingsguard like walking around with Tommen yeah. earlier in the season, and we know there was Jamie and Marin. Yeah. So like, all right, well, one of them died off screen. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Westeros, those things happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next category is our favorite conversational pairing. It's Thing that Game of Thrones has done a lot of as a device. They've had two characters traveling together. A lot of great moments of that in past seasons. Arya and Sandor is perhaps the, the greatest pairing, but also Arya and Tywin. They weren't traveling around, but still that was a good pairing. Olena paired with a lot of different people was great, but Tywin in particular was a good one. So thinking back on some of those pairings from past seasons, let's do let's go with some of the ones of this season. We have Tyrion and Jorah on the way to Marine. That was really good. And Tyrion and Varys. Also on the way to Marine, and then finally in episode 10, Tyrion and Danny, which we didn't get as much of, but we got some, some heavy-hitting scenes there. Arya and Jaqen, of course we're just calling Jaqen Jaqen, for lack of a better name, the kindly man, whatever you want to call him, I think we know who we're talking about. That actor. <laughs> Arya and that actor. Jaqen and the cat. Yeah, Jaqen the cat, yes. And then Sansa and Littlefinger, Olena and the High Sparrow, and Cooper and Darnell, aka Braun and Jamie, which was that wasn't that was one of the things about Dorne that didn't stink so much with their conversations. That wasn't so bad, even though it was surrounded by such such terrible things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this time let's start with Lady Gwyn. 
what is your pick for favorite conversational pairing? Ooh, it's Tyrion and Tyrion and anyone really, but I have to <laughs> give it to Varys by narrow margin because I really okay, like Tyrion and Varys. Things. Yeah. Okay. All right, Yoke Boy, your pick. I think Elena and High Septon because all right, they only I think they just had one scene, but it it was it was good to see someone who was a major player getting outplayed, and you, you know you you realize they were powerless. Someone who you previously thought was so smart, so powerful, and I thought that the guy played it really well. So yeah, that's a good 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 reasoning there. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Stefan, your pick. Tyrion and Danny. I think their conversations had the most uh, substance. Uh, nearly every conversation of pairing in Game of Thrones is always highly enjoyable, uh, but Danny and Tyrion and the what they talked about said so much about the whole story, about the whole themes, about what it is really about. So this really gripped me. Both of where they actually talked, uh, that was so so deep, really, uh, that I have to give it to them. All right, well said. Steve, what about you? What's your pick? Um, I'm going to go with uh, a Tyrion one as well. Um, I'm going to do with uh, Tyrion and Jorah. All right, all three have gotten in there. <laughs> uh, I mean, Tyrion is just a great conversationalist. <laughs> he really is. And, and and Jorah did quite a bit with just facial acting. He, he said some yeah. things too, but yeah, his facial acting was... If, if we had a facial acting category for the season, I would probably... I would go with Jorah. <laughs> And I wasn't a big fan of Jorah in earlier seasons, but I really like him. Me either, but, uh, but he's growing on me. Yeah. Okay, Tony, what about you? What's your pick? I love Tyrion and Varys. I, I like them together. I think every time they get together, it's always great hearing those two talk together. So I would say Tyrion and Varys. Okay, cool. Lashea? I did really like Tyrion and Daenerys. Um, it gave me the most kind of just yes reaction to see them to finally talk. Yeah, you know, who knows what it'll really be like. But I'm going to have to go with Elena and the High Sparrow. Okay. Basically for, for the reasons that Yokoi said, he put it to words very well. Okay. And for myself, I am going to go with Tyrion and Jorah as well. So that's three-way tie. <laughs> I kind of explained my reasons already. Steve did a pretty good job encapsulating it, but also the thing I said about the facial acting really sold it for me. Jorah, mm. also Jorah just rising in my esteem was a big, was a big thing for me as well. I think he might be the actor that I liked most this season as compared to previous seasons. Mm -hmm. So that's a big thing. So three-way tie. Tyrion and Varys, Olenna and High Sparrow, and Tyrion and Jorah. Cool. All taking it down. We were nicely divided on that one. Mm. All right. Um, next category, uh, we combined favorite and least favorite. So you can just go ahead and say which was your favorite and least favorite show-only character new this season. So, like, Night's King is not relevant for this category. We saw him last season for instance. Um, so here are the ones we have. If we forgot anyone, you can mention them. Maybe we did. We tried to think pretty hard. Uh, Carsey from the Hard Home episode. The House of Black and White Gatekeeper, for, you know, in Bravos. The Volunteen Prostitute, Clea, who spoke with Tyrion in, you know, in Volantis. She's a pretty funny actress from the show Misfits, actually. And the Red Priestess, played by Rila Fukushima. Mm -hmm. um, so let's start with Miss you, Stefan. Who is missing? Who is missing? The slave trader, Mr. Echo, I don't know what oh, his yeah, name is. Yeah, the, the yes, slave trader guy. Oh, Malco. Malco, that was his name. That was Good his name. call, Malco. Good, yes, great, you're right. Suggestion. Okay, so I knew Stephen. we were missing one, at least favorite, one in this category. Favorite, least favorite. You don't have to give one for both categories. I'm going with Carsey because uh, the she was only in one episode and only in a third of an episode before she died. <laughs> and 
she was introduced, she had a full character arc, and I cared about her, and that is a feat that I have to applaud. You know, mm -hmm. that is great TV storytelling. So, Carsey for me. Go, Carsey. <laughs> All right. Let's go with Yoke Boy now. Okay, my my favorite again was Carsey. I thought they set up this, you know, spent all this money on a huge action scene, but it, you you really needed to have some emotion in there, and she she provided that. We didn't really know these people, so she really, you know, one person bringing this emotion into it, and it made the whole whole sequence tick. So mm -hmm. that's why Carsey, my least favorite. Well, uh, okay, I'm gonna go with the the uh, Valentine Hall. Okay. Is it clear? Clear, yeah. Uh, I just didn't feel like she looked. She looked out of place. I seem to remember thinking she yeah. didn't really look like she was in the scene. Maybe it was something like a haircut or something. She was poorly designed character, minor character, in my opinion. I agree with that, Lady Gwen. Carsey, for certain favorite. Right. Carsey's doing yeah. it. Yeah, definitely <laughs> mentioned. She just really made that whole scene. Um, I don't really have a least favorite. Yeah, it's kind of a hard thing. Yeah, years, uh, these are also minus minor characters. Yeah, yeah. Sort of maybe someone right. really disliked one of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Someone hates Carsey. <laughs> That's impossible. Uh, impossible. Yeah, it's pretty impossible. Yeah. All right, let's go with Steve now. What, what, what do you uh, think? I'm, I'm going to go with everybody else and say Carsey. Yeah. Cool. Car Carsey's definitely my She's favorite. taking it away. As far yeah. as least favorite, now, I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt that it's Carsey. I gotta go. I gotta just, just <laughs> let it sweep the category. It deserves it, without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, Zeus. Yep, definitely Carsey. gotta go, Carsey. She Take had a complete away. story in a short time. That's a really good way of putting it by Stefan there. And also, just in general, I liked how well people reacted to her. Oh, yeah. that, that matters to me as, wow. as as a as a podcaster. When the show makes other people happy and viewers are happy about stuff, that you know that makes me happy too. And uh, because that makes it all easier for us to talk about things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was really good. For my answer, I gotta say, Carsey is my favorite, but there were some things that I particularly bothered me about it. Specifically, her how her mother quality was such a huge thing. How she like let herself be killed because she cared about kids. It was just so cliche to me, and it kind of disappointed me. I have to say, despite all that, yeah, that, was, that was like her defining quality. Awkward, like yeah. <laughs> she's such a badass, but as soon as children are around, you know, <laughs> she's doomed. But I'm just, it, it didn't hurt it enough for her not to be my favorite. I almost want to say she's my favorite and least favorite <laughs> in that aspect. But yeah, I'd say that Clea. I had I had high hopes when I saw who was cast in the show because she's so funny, and it was they said she was going to have a great scene. Of, Nice scene talking to Tyrion, and it was not a good scene. It was just like a boring scene. It was one of the worst Tyrion scenes. So I'll have to. I will give a least favorite as well. So, so Carsey, that's that's that might be unanimous. The first one. Yeah, even even some of the Doran scenes weren't unanimous. No. Okay. <laughs> How about that? Carsey takes it down. Yeah, and what it's an unanimous impact. for Clea to be the least. Yeah, that's only true. Two votes for that. <laughs> among voters, yeah, among <laughs> good opinion. Yeah. Okay. So how about a different but similar type of question? Favorite slash least favorite book to show adaptation new this season. In other words, characters that were adapted from the books but didn't appear in previous seasons. So like Alaria couldn't count, well, even right. though really Alaria was the same last season. Yeah, so but, that uh, she it's on a technicality, Alaria is not in here, but we dealt with her earlier. So Tristane, the Sand Snakes, we'll just lump them together. No need to separate them. Maggie the Frog, one one, Sir Robert Strong. The High Sparrow, Ariohota. 
Doran Martell, and the Stone Men. Again, we can do favorite and or least favorite. You don't have to pick a least favorite, but if you have one in mind, go ahead and let us know. So this time, we'll see. Oh, looks like we may have lost Steve temporarily. We'll see if he gets back in here. But for now, we'll start with Tony. A least favorite is the Sand Snakes. Without a doubt, that that was my least favorite character. Uh, it's close with Demon Hota because he didn't do anything either. I don't even know why they casted him. It seemed like they were pumping him up in the beginning when they casted him, like he was going to do something. He just broke up a fight in the schoolyard. So, uh, he, hey, he also punched uh, Braun. Yeah, he gave him an elbow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, elbow. That was his big action moment. <laughs> I, I agree. I really expected Ario to do something. I thought he was going to kill someone. I thought he was kill a Sansa. Maybe kill Braun. Yeah. Yeah, Braun, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> Let's move on to O'Shea. Why don't you go ahead? All right. Um, oh, wait. Who did, who did you say? Who, Tony, who was your uh, favorite adaptation? Uh I, I don't I don't really know. You're not sure? Yeah. Okay. I don't have one. You can pass on that one. Yeah, pass right. on the tape. I guess I have to say oh, that's so hard. <laughs> that's just really hard. I wish you hadn't gone with me yet so I could heard what everyone else had to say. <laughs> uh, I guess the sand snakes are my least favorite just because they're just one character. They're not really the sand snakes at all. Like, Tristan is just a new character to me. He's not Tristan in the books at yeah, he's all. So he's just a yeah. new character. So I can't count him. So I guess Sand Snakes are my least favorite. And my favorite is, I guess, Robert Strong. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. All he's right. just the scariest. Okay, Lady Gwen. Yeah, it's tough to pick between all these Dornish characters yeah. <laughs> for least favorite because they're all such a disappointment. Um <laughs> I think Doran Martell was a huge disappointment because they cast this great actor to play him, and then oh, yeah. he had so little screen time. I mean, yeah. we went episodes and episodes without even seeing him, and he just really fell short of my expectations. I'll go with him for my least favorite. Okay. Um, on the other hand, speaking of great actors, The High Sparrow, I think, would be my favorite. Okay. On this All right. Yoke Boy? Okay, I will... Yeah, I'll echo Lady Gwynn, so the High high Sparrow was, they got the right actor, had a great presence, and they also spent the time, you know, develop, developing him, giving him the kind of personality, and then you saw saw the change in him. The least favorite, the Sand Snakes, and, you you know, the fact that we we call them one, that they're one character, <laughs> <laughs> <is> exactly <laughs> why yeah, we don't differentiate anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. Okay, I'll call on myself now instead of the end. I'll go ahead with least favorite. I guess I'll. I kind of the argument for Doran is a strong one because yeah. it is one that's more disappointing because it, it did the expectations were higher for him. I didn't really know what to expect with the Sand Snakes. They were disappointing, but my expectations were. More cautious with yeah. Dorian. That's a that's a that's a tough call. I think I, I'll still I'm still gonna go with with the Sand Snakes though. Oh, uh, my least favorite. And for most favorite. I, I've been liking this argument for the High Sparrow. He was really really good. He's his presence is so strong that I was super excited. Speaking of actors, I was excited for. I was excited for Alexander Siddiq playing Dorian Martell. But I was also really excited for Jonathan Price playing High Sparrow. Mm -hmm. And in that one, I was not disappointed. He probably got. Only a little bit more screen time than Doran, but yeah. it was just so much more potent. His screen right. time, he used it better. He was so dominating and authoritative and um, scary. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the High Sparrow. All right. All right, Stefan, your pick. I have to disagree. I think uh, the High Sparrow got much more screen time than Doran, but uh, that's okay. a technicality. Uh, I have to absolutely agree that the High Sparrow and Jonathan Price's uh, 
playing of him and uh, knocked it out of the park, really. He starts off as such this nice granduncle guy, and then he becomes yeah. more menacing uh, as the season progresses. He really did this very well. And uh, as for the uh, least favorite, I have to take Doran Martell as well. Not only because the expectations were so high, but because his role in the season is so nonsensical. You can cut him out completely and you still get the same Doran story. <laughs> he doesn't do anything. And this is just so... Uh, the height of his ruling is when he allows uh, Tristane to hit Bronn in the face real hard. Because that's good ruling now, obviously. Okay. <laughs> now was even... So <laughs> no, that's not Doran. <laughs> looks like the winner is High Sparrow, and the loser is Sand Snakes, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we're going to do the next one is biggest group of characters that were cut, as in the, that maybe the, their impact that we maybe expected to have that wasn't there, or just you're just disappointed because you wanted to see them on screen and they weren't there. So the nominees are... The Miranese Court, Shave Pate, Reznak, Mo Reznak, the Green Grace, skin changers like Veramir and Borak, mm -hmm. his boar and the, all the different animals Veramir could have. I kind of understand why those weren't in the show, because <laughs> that's expensive CGI and stuff, but still, kind of hope it's still a worthy nominee. Uh, Ariane Martell, Aris Oakhart, Darkstar, all these other, and I suppose the rest of the Sand Snakes, although some of them could still appear. Aegon the Sixth slash Fagon, whatever you're. I would count the, all the sand snakes in that, just because <laughs> they're, those weren't the. Same they weren't ones. really there, yeah. And of course, that includes John Connington, Septa Lamore, what's his face, the half Halfmaster, Halden Halfmaster, and Duck, uh, Quentin and the gang. So Quentin Martell, as well as uh, Archibald, uh, Archibald and Ironwood Garris. and Garrus Drinkwater, Cersei's Council, which includes Giles Rosby, Orion Waters, Sir Harry Swift. Last but. Possibly least the <laughs> Summer Islanders and Darian from North from and stuff. What's that, Stefan? He said the North. The Man East and the Northern Lords. And that was because with the casting news, it seems that they are casting some Northern Lords. So we and yeah. so we also don't have the Ironborn in there because we're just we're just not okay. sure. We don't want to call it quite yet. And yeah. We wouldn't have included the Summer Islanders, but we're, it looks like Sam and Gilly aren't taking a ship. Yeah. So that's that's why. Although I do think Manderly is cut, I and the other Northern Lords are there, but we'll see. Yeah. So we'll just we'll okay. we'll actually we will be discussing that at the end when we discuss yeah. the casting stuff. But yeah, okay. that, that is why we didn't include the Manderly stuff because of that. Okay. So with that in mind, okay, why don't we start with you then, Stefan, since we we're already chatting. So biggest <laughs> okay. character group cut. <laughs> Uh, it's a hard decision, uh, but I think I'm going with uh, Fagan and company because uh, they are the ones that are costing us a complete, really important storyline from the books that I'm pretty sure will have serious ramifications in the books that we can't have in the show now. So they have the most impact by being cut. I think we lose the most by the Miranese court because uh, much of the complexity goes out of the window, but Fagan and company are the most important in sheer mass of plot. Okay, I like that argument. Tony, how about you? Aegon, it affects too much too much storyline, too much stuff cut from the book. It changes Barry's whole objective and everything he's doing. It just is just, that's something they should have kept in that they didn't. I wish that was there. Okay, Lady Gwynn? Yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, in terms of just this season, losing the Marinese court kind of led to this lack of focus and of not really knowing what was going on over there. But overall, in terms of the whole story, missing 
Aegon the Sixth, and that whole storyline is going to have big ramifications down the road, I think. Yeah, looking strong for Mr. Fagon here. Okay, uh, Yoke Boy, what do you think? Yeah, I th- I think may- maybe if you're just looking at the effect this season, that loss of Ariane, um, Ares, and Darkstar really kind of facilitated the butchering of the Dawn plot. <laughs> but as everyone's pointed out, in, in the broader scheme, Aegon represents a possible civil war. You know, he- he's... He's got kind of chaos written all over him for the for the greater plot, so that that's a huge cut. It, it could even mean that we don't get to see dragons versus dragons, which true, which might be what he represents in the books. Dance of the Dragons 2.0 potentially mm-hmm. not going to be in the show. Uh, Shea, I'm gonna have to echo everyone else and say Fagon as well, but I say that thinking that if they were to include him, it would make a whole lot of sense for them to have then included. Ariane and, and that whole stuff. Um, I think they would have done the Dorn stuff differently if they'd had him. So I think that they kind of go hand in hand for me, so that's why I say that. I just have to give my shout-out to that as well. I agree. It's kind of a domino effect. It, it changes mm-hmm. other... Like like everybody has pointed out, it, it changes other plot lines just for moving right. it. Like, like Tony said, it changes Varus hugely. But like you said, it does affect the Dornish plotline in, in, in such a huge way. And I think we might be headed towards, instead of Quentin and Danny as a thing, well, obviously that didn't work out, especially for Quentin, but they could try some sort of Tristane-Danny thing to connect oh, Dorne to her, and yeah. now that Marcel is dead, that could work. I don't know if that's... With no other heir for Doran Martell, of course yeah. he wants to do this. And obviously that's not what's going to happen in yeah. the book, so it's a huge <laughs> change, and it's, it's like a domino effect. So I'm not sure, but yeah, I've got to agree with Fagon. Cool. So Another clean unanimous. sweep there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. Michelle is going to take us to a very, very serious question oh, yes. here. Best singer in Westeros <laughs> this season. Okay, we have um, Mace Tyrell, aka Mace of Bass, as he calls him. Uh, I don't call him that. I just call him the best singer in Westeros. Oh. That's the answer. Uh, we have Bronn, also known as Cooper, and his song of the he sang the Dornishman's wife. We have Tyrion's gagged singing, where he's kind of like humming. Like that. And then, and then as a little honorable mention. We have Jorah and Tyrion in their poetry reading, which is a kind of a song in its own way. It has rhythm. Yeah, it's kind of rhythm. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so let's go with you, Lady Quinn. What do you think? I have to say, without a doubt, it's Bronn. Uh, big <laughs> fan of Jerome Flynn um, as a singer, so he was. I was really excited to see him singing, but I, I do like the uh, spoken word honorable uh-huh. mention. <laughs> One vote for Cooper. Okay, a uh, young boy. <laughs> As an Englishman, I really have to go for Bronn because <laughs> Jerome and Flynn were a pop sensation here. <laughs> Unchained Melody went to number one for many weeks, and you know, just wow. to hear his dulcet tones in Game of Thrones, <laughs> <laughs> I have to go with him. All right, uh, Stefan. Jorah and Tyrion poetry reading. I thought it was really transporting the mood of Valyria and the long gone kingdom of the olden times and stuff like that. You know, it was a really moody moment in elected. Yeah, it's a show only moment too. That's yeah. another thing that's kind of surprising. It was. It. it was definitely was a great moment. Uh, Tony. I'm going with Braun. He's definitely uh, held the note better than anybody else this season. <laughs> I believe it was all of you. <laughs> <laughs> right now, I chose Mace and his beautiful. 
Yes, we do. Yes, Shea picks Mace. What do you choose, Aziz? I'm going to go with the Doom poem. I just thought cool. that was so awesome, and it was the fact that the show kind of just created that on its own yeah. was, was makes it even cooler because I have lower expectations for their, their whole <laughs> stuff. And I thought Mace was... I, I loved Mace's singing. I thought it was hilarious. And he actually mm-hmm. doesn't have a pretty good voice, but... That is very good. Doom was just too cool. Yeah. Too I'm cool. always going to choose humor. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Braun takes it. That's true. Braun does take it down. Three votes yeah, to two to one. Two All right. Cooper takes it down. So now <laughs> we're going to move on to the Morbid Awards. We're going to talk about all these different deaths we had this season. Yes, lots of death yeah. categories here. Yeah, a lot of different categories. <laughs> so the first one we have is Saddest Death, which there are a lot of pretty sad deaths. Some of these are maybe not so sad to me, but we'll see. Shireen, Maester Eamon, mm. Jon Snow, Barristan, Marcella, and Stannis. Okay, I'll go ahead and say right now, mine's Maester Raymond. Okay. Uh, 100%. Saddest books. Saddest seen the whole books to me. Uh, makes me cry. I don't, I don't even want to talk about it. So, uh, Tony, who's your answer? <laughs> uh, without a doubt, for me, is Shireen. It was just mm. terrible. Uh, just terrible hearing that little girl scream. Just terrible. The whole them picking her off her feet and bringing her up there and mm. her screaming for her father and her mother falling on the floor. Just, just terrible. Mm. All right, uh, let's go with York Boy. I am going to go for Shireen as well. It was just, it was, it was sad in a lot of different ways. But I guess most of all, you know, the fact that she's being burnt by her own parents, and she was such a sweetheart. It was uh, terribly sad, as well as you know, kind of <laughs> completely unnerving. Shireen. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, uh, Stefan. Shireen, definitely. It was such an emotional and devastating scene. You can't really top that. Hmm. All right, uh, Lady Gwyn? Definitely Shireen. Again, for all the reasons everyone mentioned. I will also go with Shireen. Not Marcella? No, it was (laughs) not Marcella. It's close. No, it's actually close between Eamon and Shireen, but Shireen wins because of two or three reasons. One, the surprise factor, because Eamon, I knew it was coming. Yeah. So I was I had already experienced the emotions over Eamon's death reading the books back there, so that that muted it a little bit. But the other thing is just that Eamon's an old man, yeah. and Shireen is a little girl, and that just is more tragic. And yeah. just in general, in a nutshell. Uh, I didn't have the surprise factor because I got spoiled. Thank oh. you, everybody. But uh, I guess I was surprised when I saw that at the first time. But uh, I did. But you didn't feel that. her performance. Yeah. You were yes. Yeah, so I was obs- I was sad by Sh- at Shireen. I teared up a little. But like Maester Eamon, I'm just like. Balling. I don't know what it is. He's a, he is an old man. He died natural causes. It shouldn't be that sad. Um, well, it looks like Shireen wins. Yeah, almost. Wins. Almost. Yeah, wins. <laughs> almost unanimously, except for me. So. Okay. All right. The next category, which relates sort of to this one, we have best last words. There's only three nominees because we only went with people who knew they were dying. Characters like Marcella didn't actually know she was going out. She had a, a last words, but they weren't in the face of death. So the actual best last words in the face of death, the three nominees are Stannis, go on, do your duty. Eamon, egg, I dreamt I was old. And Mance Raider, I wish you good fortune in the wars to come. And this said in response to kneel and live. So pretty boss uh, utterance by Mance there. All right, we'll start with Yoke Boy. Okay, I'll go with Stannis and go on, do your duty. It was... Whatever you thought of Stannis at that at that stage, which is, your opinions were lowered considerably, <laughs> it was a kind of very apt 
last line from him in the situation there with Brienne, who's always seems to be obsessed with oaths and upholding vows. So, you know, it was a big payoff for me. I thought it was the right way for him to go out. Okay. Lady Gwen? Yeah, agreed. I mean, the, the man's line was great, and, of course, the Amen line from the books was great, but definitely Stannis in terms of um, fitting in with not only his character, but the character that, that he was speaking to. Definitely. Cool. All right, Stefan. I think I'm an outlier here, but I like Stennis's line and so go on, do your duty, yes. Uh, that is a fitting end for a great character arc, I think, and it, it works perfectly. Cool. All right. And Tony. No doubt Stannis Baratheon's line. I'm gonna agree with that one. I'm gonna go with Stannis as well. I, I thought I, I I'm eager to well not eager, but I'm curious to learn how if they have you know if he has a last line in the books whenever oh, that yeah. comes whether it's sometime towards the end of Winds of Winter which I suspect if he does die in the books well I would expect he does die in the books but if he doesn't or if he does it doesn't really matter if he does if it does happen I would expect to be near the end of next season so I have no idea what's coming with that so that's, that's kind of what part of why I like is because it's another one the same reason I like the Doom thing it's something that the show seems to maybe have invented on its own and that gives it a little extra credit for me although they did do a great job with Eamon um, again, I like the newness of the Stannis line and, and just how perfect it is. Mm -hmm. uh, mine will also be going to your duty for those reasons. I loved, A, I dreamt I was old, but that was the show's creation. That was the book's creation. And I'm assuming I'm, I'm assuming that he didn't give them specifics in the sense of Stannis' last words. Yeah. <laughs> I, I highly doubt that. So I'm going to go on the assumption that they created that, and that's just a gr it's just perfect. Yeah. And, sense of that he's saying it to Brienne, that he's saying it, just everything. A lot of us are probably doubtful that Brienne will be the one to kill Stannis anyway. Yeah. So that's almost certainly makes it a show invention. But yeah, so good job there. All right, so clean sweep for Stannis there. Yeah. Go on to your duty as the winner. Yeah. Okay, Yoke Boy, are you going to introduce this next one for us? Yeah, the next category is a good one. Most <laughs> satisfying death. There's <laughs> enough deaths in Game of Thrones, and some of them, unlike the Shireen example, yeah. are actually quite enjoyable on some level. And <laughs> yeah. the contenders are Meryn Trant, Stannis Baratheon, Selyse, White Walker. I'm not sure what you mean by that, Wizzies. You just got it's White Walker. The one that John kills. John kills. Oh, the one that John... Oh, sorry, my, I was, it was escaping me. Miranda, or Janos Slint, or if there's any other satisfying deaths that people have, then they can add one. Okay, uh, Lady Gwyn, do you want to start proceedings? Um, sure. I'm very torn between Miranda and Janice Slint, but I, it's mm -hmm. going to go to Janice Slint. Mm. Okay, Janice Slint. I, I forgot I, I should get mine out of the way. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Miranda the same reason I said before, because of the noise her head makes. <laughs> that's, that's why she was very close to being much less. <laughs> I'll say that it, it, it really should have been. This, this really should have been wrapped up with General Slints, but I don't think that you know the show didn't quite nail it as, as, they sh as it was in the books. If, if so, that had given me, fetch me a block, that would have yeah. pumped it up. Well, yeah. That was okay, amazing, sadly. Stefan, what was your most satisfying death? Stannis, for the same reasons that I chose uh, his last words, it was just the perfect end for his own. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It was. It seemed like the right time. Uh, Tony, Channel Split. I thought the guy who played Channel Split did a good job talking shit, and uh, <laughs> it, it was good to see him get what he got. You know what I mean? So Channel Split, without a doubt. You were satisfied. Okay, Aziz. 
I'm going to go with Marin Trant, actually. Okay. I, that was pretty prolonged satisfaction. I mean, long death. Yeah, I mean, it was... This, I almost I didn't pick it because it wasn't... Sa- watching it wasn't satisfying because <laughs> it was maybe the most gruesome thing they've shown <laughs> in the entire five seasons. Yeah. But that dude really needed to get it. I mean, uh-huh. he, he, his, his beating on girls actually was foreshadowed a bit because he seemed to really take a really was lusty about beating Sansa back in, like, mm. seasons one and two. And mm. so it was a bit foreshadowed. I didn't think it was necessary for them to him to, sh- them to show it all like that. I mm. mean, not just the stabbing in the face, but the beating of the girls. But, you know, I, it's, I, it's a, I have a very simplistic view there. It's just satisfying to see a pedophile get it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I'm not really particularly satisfied by any of the deaths. I have to say... Um, in particular, I maybe would have been more satisfied by Miranda if it hadn't been so soon, or Sansa had pushed her, or something. I, I was more just like shocked that it happened like that. But um, I have to go with White Walker because that was a cocky White Walker who should have just killed John. He was well tossing him around. That. Yeah, he was yeah, just, like, he was playing with him. him. He was playing with him, and he got what was coming to him for being cocky. So him. Yeah. Right on. That's a good answer. I didn't think about it from that way. <laughs> it looks like Jana Slint is the winner because we spread ourselves out, and two people voted for Slint, and everyone else picked a single. So, Slint is the winner, despite no Ed Fetch Me a Block. All right. Um, now we have our most surprising death. Mm. Um, some of, a lot of these are people who didn't who are, are still alive in the book, so that's why it was surprising to us as book readers, of course. We have Shireen, Barristan, Stannis, Hisdar, Marcella, Miranda, and Mance. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Aziz. Okay. That's a, t- that's a really tough call because... I almost want to say Mance, and Mance is like the biggest setup for people who have watched the show first and then go to read the books. They're going to be really, really confused and legitimately thrown for a loop in a way that's kind of kind of cool. Yeah. But I honestly was more surprised by his dark. That was just, I really, especially the way they set it up, they gave us the, oh, I wanted to, I was, where have you been? You know, I wanted to make sure everything was in order. I was sat forward like, oh, there's our nod to book readers that he's the harpy. And then, five, you know, like like two minutes later, he stabbed to death. So I was like, Whoa. <laughs> so I was legitimately surprised. Some of the other deaths were set up, so they like the surprise kind of built. With Isdar, it was just bam, surprise. So that was that's that's what I'll go ahead and give my answer now. It was the same, Hisdar. Okay. I agree. Uh, now Tony, who do you think? I always figured that something was gonna happen to Stannis possibly this season if he didn't make a really big play in the books. So I would say Hisdar, I did not see that coming whatsoever. That him die. Right on. Uh, Stefan? Yeah, absolutely. His start is one of the biggest surprises ever. Okay. Uh, boy. Yeah. Uh, I, I was thinking about Mance because I was still yeah. wondering if he was dead after he was dead. <laughs> <laughs> He's not. He's a giant, giant throwing day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Uh, uh-huh. It's going to be a reveal. He's going to be another character. But I think his star because... Even with Stannis, I, I'd considered it, you know, I considered, well, is he disposable? Shireen considered, but his dar I don't think anyone, I'd heard anyone speculate at all that he was going to be out of the way. I was still waiting for him to get married, poor guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, Lady Gwen? Dev- I, Shireen, for the same reason she was, the reason she was my saddest death, is she was, mm. she was the most surprising. Mm. Most of these other ones, I don't expect them to survive, even if they are still alive in the book, so... I wouldn't say they were hugely surprising, even though his dar was visually surprising the way it happened. 
I don't expect him to live very long. So, mm. um, Shireen, I just never thought this would happen. So. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that nobody picked Barristan. I'm sure if we had done this halfway through the season, it's, he'd almost certainly be the... Well, there weren't really... No, almost none of these other characters had died except for Mance by then. But still, early in the season, that was there was so much outcry over Barristan's death and how it was un, mm. either unrealistic or surprising or what have you. Even the actor was surprised. But... It looks like us um, attentive book readers are, are, looks like his dar is the winner there yeah. for votes for his dar. That's interesting. <laughs> I'm a little surprised that his dar carried the category, even though I knew I was going to vote for him. Yeah. yeah, you knew I was going to vote for him. Yeah, that's true. I, I guess I should, maybe I should have, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, but, <laughs> but uh, you're surprised at everything. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've got a few left here, a couple more categories, and then we're going to discuss, like I said, the trailers. So, the survivors, this is an interesting one. Characters that we were worried about during the season who survived. So, you're going to have to think back to who you were kind of worried about during the season. This is a little more memory jogging required. So, another name for this category would be a, it would be most surprising non-death. <laughs> the nominees are Braun, Brienne, Jorah, and Varys. Some of you guys might be surprised by some of the categories we, some of these nominees, but... During our show, all these characters were discussed at length, so at least we had our reasons for naming them when we did. Some of them seem kind of silly now, like Varus doesn't seem like he was ever in much danger, but at the time we had good reasons for thinking that. Yes. So <laughs> I will start with myself this time, and I will say Bron. Definitively, Bron, there was so much foreshadowing for his death, the way they talked about how you want to die, like worse ways to die. <laughs> And being, you know, foreshadowing him being poisoned with the sand, the snake in the sand there, and all that. It just was like uh, we were. I had already said goodbye to Bron. Uh-huh. Maybe I should have known. They telegraphed it so much that that was that was the trick. Uh-huh. I'm voting for Bron, and Stefan. We'll go with you next. Absolutely, Bron. I totally expected him to die, but no, he didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even till the last second, like episode ten, I was like, <laughs> then I thought like he <laughs> fall off the pier and just Okay, uh, Lady Gwen. Yeah, definitely. Braun, we spent a lot of time talking about this in our <laughs> show reviews. <laughs> we really were certain, one way or another, he was going to It was like a weekly but... thing, every time. Yeah. <laughs> Braun, well, this is how he's going to die now. But... Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, he's still there. Oh, boy. Okay, it was always... Uh, Bron, yeah, Braun is my answer, but a shout <laughs> at Brienne, because at one stage I was a little bit worried with her going in the same region as Ramsay. But <laughs> and we Bron didn't know was a what to do thing. either, right? Like, what is Brienne doing up there? Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Braun it is. Tony, what you got? Yeah, I'm still shocked that Braun survived. I, I, I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he did it. He should have died, uh, but he did. So, yeah, Braun without a doubt. Asher, your your pick as well, or uh, will it be a sweep for Braun or no? I don't think it will be. I think I really thought that I really thought Varys is just with his plans, his master plans gone with no Aegon. I just I just was weird. It just it just made a lot of sense for me to just get rid of him and not have to deal with his motivations at all. And so and we just didn't see him for a while. I I don't know. I'm gonna go with Varys. I, okay. I was like I I was more worried for him like. I like Braun, but I wasn't, like, concerned, I guess. So, Varys, just to keep you guys from sweeping. <laughs> just to keep Braun from sweeping. <laughs> you didn't, didn't he already win the singing one? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't sweep well, well, they kept that. him around he so he can it. sing again, maybe. <laughs> Dorne is sweeping a lot of things. They're sweeping a lot of yeah. worst ofs, and Braun is getting his own things, yeah. or extracurricular yeah. things. For living and for singing, <laughs> Braun has been awarded <laughs> for not dying. Okay, so here's perhaps the most morbid category of all. 
Who burned best? <laughs> Who was set on fire and did it the best? <laughs> For forever, whatever reason, whether it's acting or just most people gesticulating burned. or most you know preferred what? burning, whatever. <laughs> okay, so the nominees are Mance Raider, Shireen Baratheon, Aemon Targaryen, Random great master who was set afire and torn so nicely in half by Viserion and Rhaegal. <laughs> and the Sons of the Harpy as a group who did a lot of burning in Daznak's pit. Uh, we'll start with you this time, Shea. Who Shireen, burned best? Shireen burned she, best. The, the acting, her screaming, it was just the best. I considered going with the Sons of the Harpy because it was the best burning, as in most <laughs> people burn. And Drogon could just blow Melisandre out of the water when it comes to burning, but Shireen. Okay. Lady Gwen, what about you? Definitely Shireen for the acting, although I have to give a shout-out to that random great master <laughs> because that was really well done in, in the effects for that. I love the way the dragons shared the corpse. Yeah, the CGI in that scene was really good, wasn't it? Was, it? it was a fun scene. It, it's opposed <laughs> to all these other burnings, so. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, have, gotta have fun with your burnings. Yeah. All right, um, Yoke Boy? Yeah, I'll go with Shireen because it was just the most effective to the to the watcher, wasn't it? It was it was just so harrowing, and not more can be much more can be said, so yeah. Yeah, Carrie Ingram taking it down, it looks like. All right, Stefan, what do you think? I'm also going with the boring option of Shireen because many of the others uh, that are legitimate contenders are falling flat in the course of the season. For example, the random great master could have been a great setup for the Miranese political plot, but actually it didn't amount to much, so I can't really take it. Good point. Okay, Tony? Yeah, in the books, I never really cared about anybody being burnt. It's like, up, oh, someone got burnt, up, oh, someone got burnt, you know, it was like that. But... <laughs> Shireen, what she did to that was kind of like what Pedro Pascal did for the mountain scene to me. He really, she really brought it alive to me more than so than the books I could mm -hmm. see. So I don't ever want to see anyone get burned again. <laughs> right That's a great point. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go also. Sweet for Shireen. Uh... Good job, Carrie. That's a good point, Tony. She kind of affects all burnings from now on. Uh, when I, when yeah. I, reading the books, reading burnings, I'm going to think of that scene. I did. I've already re-listened to the burning scene in Stannis' campaign where they burn the cannibals, and it already, like, I felt it more. Asha, uh, Asha's the one, you know, we see that her point of view for that, and she's just so so disgusted by it. And she points out that she's been in battle and done, seen all sorts of gruesome things, but this is just beyond her even then. Yeah, so all the combination, it's, it's driving home how awful burning is. And I feel like we'll see more burnings in the books rather than it being, because this is like a condensing, you know. So especially with Dragon Flame, there'll be some burnings, <laughs> but there'll also be some burnings at the stake. Now okay. we have a long category. Now we have a long, yeah, there's a lot of possible answers for this one, but it's a good segue away from that morbid subject there of burning. Now we get to do our funniest moment of the season. Okay, so the nominees for funniest moment are Stannis correcting the term less with fewer. <laughs> we have Varys saying to Tyrion about, do you know what it's like to, to shit in a box? Fit your shit through these holes? He says, no, I only know what it's like to pick up your shit and throw it overboard. <laughs> then we have Tyene slapping Nim in the uh, slapping game. Then we have Tyrion saying, guess again about the size of his cock and the whole cock merchant thing, which is kind of funny. Then we have was it Dario saying? Does he yeah. always talk this much? And Dora's react, facial reaction was great. Mm -hmm. Then we have Liana Mormont's letter of There is Only One King in the North, and his name is Stark, and John laughing about that. <laughs> then we have One One saying, What the fuck are you looking at? to Dolores Ed. Then we have Mace's singing again. 
Then we have Jilly's great line. I'm sure you and Ostrich Stark have a lot to talk about. <laughs> and finally, Tyrion's long, sullen silences and the occasional punch in the face. The Mormont way. <laughs> so lots of great choices for funniest moment of the season. And we will start with Lady Gwen. Well, it's between these two, the two uh, Tyrion lines, the long, <laughs> sullen silences, which I think... Should be the new Mormon house word. Every stand is gone. Now it's silence. an occasional punch in the face. But I have to go with guess again, just in terms of silliness, because that that just made me laugh out loud, and it <sighs> stuck with me. It made me giggle for the rest of the day. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yup, boy, what's your pick? I'm going to go with Stannis saying fewer. And I, I think this has got an extra layer, because it was said in season two, was it? So, yeah. Uh, this, uh, I think Brian Cogman wrote those, both of those, yeah. and I, I like Brian Cogman for moments like this. It, it's Stannis's last great moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, I guess it kind of is. <laughs> Certainly his last comedic moment. All right, Stefan, what do you think? Also, Stannis says fewer, that was just my biggest laugh of the whole season. It's mm -hmm. kind of sudden, wasn't it? It was like, you didn't expect a joke quiet. in that room with those people. Too, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so, Tony. I'm going to go with the letter to Jon Snow. I thought that was cute, this scene of death. So I thought for those reasons, I thought I liked that one the best. I kind of didn't expect that one to even make it into the show, too. That was a surprising inclusion. Yeah, yeah. All right, Shay, your pick. Uh, ostrich star. Uh, I think Gilly, her, her delivery on that you and ostrich star uh, is really good. And I love that they were talking about history right there. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, There's a lot of so, so many funny moments. It's really hard to choose. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with Long Sullen Silences yeah. and the occasional punch in the face. That was I was quoting that one for a week straight after yeah, yeah. trying to use my own version of it. Long, uh, just the blank way. Is, yeah. you know, just inserting different names in there. <laughs> so I'll go with that one. Looks like fewer is the winner, yeah. which is a divided category, a lot of choices. There's more answers than there were voters. Yeah. <laughs> Might should have narrowed yeah. that down a little. Maybe. But it's fun to remember all the funny moments of the season, even if they're not legitimate <laughs> contenders. So, um, speaking of history moments, like Ostrich Stark, our next category is History Shoutout, which we, of course, appreciated, and there were a pretty good amount this season. We had um, Shireen talking about the Dance of the Dragons with Stannis. Mm -hmm. We had the Ostrich Stark moment with Sam talking about Osric Stark. Youngest Lord Commander. Yes. We had um, Maester Aemon talking about Egg. Not so much. It's more personal history than um, a historical event, but still counts. We have Tyrion and Jorah talking about the doom of Valyria. And then we have Cersei talking about the Faith Militant. Mm -hmm. uh, let's go with Tony first. Uh, what about, can we put in Littlefinger and Sansa about Rhaegar and Lyanna? Oh, yeah. I can't, we missed that. That's a yes. We must have that in there. We'll so, have that in there, yes. I'm going to go with that one. All right. I thought that, 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 was, that was big. R plus Rips. L equals Tony Teflon. All right. There you go. <laughs> I can't believe we missed that one. Yeah. Yep. Good call, good call. Okay, so that's yours. Uh, Stefan, who do you think? It's a close one for the Doom of Valyria over the Dance of the Dragons. Mm. Okay, Doom. I think it was a little bit more moody and had a little bit more significance, but only really. So. Mm. Okay. Uh, Yoke Boy. 
I think Tony won me over with this last ditch emission of the Rhaegar and Lyanna. I thought that it was kind of unexpected and all right, it's very different from the books, but it, it was it was the fact that they nodded and they'd made the effort to kind of connect with book readers. It was I liked it. It was the most relevant too, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lady Gwen. Yeah, I am also going to go with that because um, it was it was well done. We talked about it in the review episode that. Even though it was very different, it was well done. They included everything that they yeah. really and that needed. Yeah, the Barristan to. side of it as well in the mm. same episode, I believe. Yeah, that was Barristan and Danny in the same episode talking yes. about Rhaegar. So as well, that would yeah. count as well. Yeah. Uh, Aziz. I was almost won over by that as well, the right end. But I'm going to go with the Doom as well, just because partly because I loved the poem so much, and because it was it was history. They were telling the history of the place. While they were in the place, which is really neat. Although they were in the crypts for the Rhaegar and the Annecy, yeah, so that added true. to it as well. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna narrow uh, a narrow margin and give it to the Doom. I'm going to give it to the Dance of the Dragons because Shireen added her own analysis of the events there, mm. and because when watching it, Stannis asking her who she chose, I was expecting her to like. I was expecting her to give an answer and for maybe that to influence Stannis in some way. And like for her to give maybe the wrong answer, I was like really on edge for what she was gonna say. And then she says they shouldn't have chosen; she wouldn't choose either one. And it was just such a perfect answer and just such a perfect moment. So that's mine. That is a really good point. That her wisdom was the wisdom beyond her years. There, that was that made it a lot more poignant. Yeah. So okay. the winner is winner was R plus L. However, oh, looks for okay. three votes there. Yeah. The right-in candidate wins. Right. Second on. would have been Doom of Lyria for me. Right on. Way. Okay. Fun. So the Doom Doom was close there. A close second place there. All right, now we have a shout-out for our Patreon Northern Champions, Bloody Blake the Avatar, Sir Benjamin Coldwater, Knight of the Frozen Lake, Sir Alexander Greencloak, Skyon of Snow River, Jay Wilson, Winter's King, and Lucifer Means Lightbringer, High Priest of the Church of Starry Wisdom. Thanks a lot, guys. Point out that it says Alexander Greek Cloak. <laughs> I read it correctly, but typed it wrong. Yeah. That's funny. Greek Cloak. Yes, yeah, okay. Funny, well, sad. now you have a second nickname. Yes. Uh, All right, next category. The next category is maybe my favorite one, Best Scenery. This counts, the CGI, there's so many aspects to the scenery, but we're gonna, I'm going to talk about each one, um, what's within each one. For instance, we have Bravos, which includes the House of Black and White, and includes like some really cool background shots of the Titan like from behind and stuff like that. Valyria, just the whole, all of Valyria, but which also counts, Valyria counts like those scenic, those scenery like beach shots, those like beautiful shots that Tyrion and Jorah were part of. Mm. Uh, Marine, which has Dazmax Pit and the Harpy, of course. That's pretty cool. Uh, and I guess Daenerys on the Dragon. No, I don't know that that's a point in its favor. <laughs> uh, but also has the great shots of Marine itself with the the pyramids. pyramids yeah. We have Dorne, which includes the water gardens and those coastal shots. Dornish coastal shots. Uh, <laughs> King, Dornish. King's Landing, which is mostly just a whole lot of shots of the Sept of Baelor, which still looks great. The Dothraki Sea um, in the finale with Daenerys. Mm -hmm. uh, Hard Home, all, just all of that stuff. And then we have Armies and Sigils of Westeros. So you can just say you most liked all the shots of all the Stannis, all the Bolton men, all the Baratheon men, all the Vale men. We saw a lot of sigils, more than we really have before, I think. Yeah, we saw the Targ banners, I mean, we, especially yeah. if you count the army of the undead. As, oh, yeah, as and the White one. Army, all of those things. So a lot of really great scenery shots. It's a tough category. Yes. Uh, let's <laughs> start with you, Aziz. Okay, all right, good call. Um, I'm going to go with the armies and sigils of Westeros. I really liked seeing here. Yeah, we saw so many different ones. We got to see ones that we didn't see before. And I really like the huge Targaryen banner and the white army that just kind of throws it over the top there. All right. So I'll go with that one. Cool. Uh, Tony. 
do you think? I think that the House of Black and White, the, the, the Chamber of Faces, is the single best shot they've ever shown in this mm, show. Right on. So I'm going to go with that without a doubt. Bravo. Okay. Uh, Stefan, what do you think? I'm going with the armies in Sigil Semesteros because I really like how they give all the armies a different style, a different feel. You always know which army it is the soldier you're looking on. And the whites, of course, knocked it out of the water. Cool, cool. Uh, Yoke Boy. Okay, I'm going to go with Bravos as a whole. It's It turned out to be very close to my headcanon. The, the large buildings, as well as the kind of back streets, were really cool. The, the two large buildings, the Iron Bank and the House of Black and White, was good inside and outside. So, Bravos. Hmm. Uh, Lady Gwen. Going to go off the map and say Volantis. Oh, Volantis! I can't believe oh, we Volantis. 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 We we forgot Volantis. Our bad. Oh. Yeah, there's this there's this great shot as they're approaching. Um, yeah, the, the long, long bridge. bridge. That beautiful, beautiful scenery with the long bridge and Volantis coming up in the back. That's Good true. Point. Good point. That's yeah. a great suggestion. I wish we had seen more of that, and I maybe would have yes. chosen it if we had seen more of it. But there's it wasn't quite enough for me. I'm cl- I was close to going with the armies and sigils of Westeros just because we see wide variety of different things. Mm-hmm. But I think I'd go with Bravos because they really made it immersive in how you see the Bravos, you see the Titan from the back, you see it like all around the city. It just is a feature there. Yeah, you always knew where you were. Yeah. yeah, and you knew where you were. You have the House of Black and White, you have the inside, which is pretty cool, but the outside was cool. Yeah, I'll have to go with Bravos. Okay, it looks like Bravos wins three to two to one there. Mm. Job on Bravo. Yeah, you really know where you're. you could show like a street there and without showing any characters, and I think you would know. It's like, oh, that's Bravos. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is a good sign. Good sign. Okay, let's a couple of very book-centric topics here as we get to the end of our questions as we move towards our trailer discussion and the end of our award show in general. The biggest plot omission. So some of these are. It's kind of hard to ne- exactly describe some of these things with just a single title. But and some of these we've kind of touched on with character cuts, but this makes it a bit of a tricky category. So let's go with first nominee is the Pink Letter slash Mans to Winterfell. Those are kind of connected items. Egg on the Sixth, that whole plot line we talked about that quite a bit. The Siege of Marine, including the Battle of Fire, which is unlikely to happen. Jamie going through the Riverlands, which includes all his time with Brienne talking to the Blackfish and all that other stuff. And with the phrase and everything. The crowning of Marcella, that plot line's completely gone. Instead of it's now it's a kill Marcella plot. Yeah. Um, and that's it. So we have just those five nominees. So I guess Aegon's probably going to sweep it again. Yeah, quite possibly. There may be some clever arguments for something else. But, uh, yeah, given how that other category went, that might be what we're faced with. Yeah. Okay, well, Shea, we'll start with you. I don't want to get the ball rolling on Aegon, but i <laughs> got to say, I think he is. I just think so. I mean, if I'm going with the ones that just aren't in it, period, than the crowning of Marcella because, like, it is in it, and it, it would have made a lot more sense in, in a lot of ways, but... Yeah, you're uh, allowed to decide what biggest yeah, uh, mission I, I means mean, kind of in your to yourself. Yeah, because, yeah. like, Aegon Six is just, like, a whole character crew, like, huge omission, whereas crowning of Marcella was possible for them to do with what they had. Yeah, they, um, they went in a different direction anyway. Yeah, same with the Pink Letter and Max Winterfell was all is also possible. The and Jamie and yeah. Riverlands, all the other ones, but a- but Aegon is like one that's just not in it at all, so it doesn't like feel fair. To there wasn't even there. a replacement for it. Yeah, I still think I'm gonna go with Aegon. It's just too it's just too huge. Okay, <laughs> right on. All right, Tony, what do you think? I think that a couple of them could still happen, so I'm gonna leave those ones out that that's possible. That I think could happen. I'm gonna go with the Pink Letter 
I think should have been in it. They should have had it. I, I, you know, I have had several videos on the pink letter and a lot of debate over the pink letter. The most debate out of over the forums, or by far, is over the pink letter of who yeah. wrote it. It is. So a, I, it, it is a highly debated topic. <laughs> okay, Stefan, what do you think? I simply stay with Aiken for the reasons uh, I laid down earlier. Okay, uh, young boy. Yeah, I kind of want to say Aegon again, but just to be different, I want to say Jamie in the Riverlands because it really ties to Lady Stoneheart, I think. So yeah. uh, they, they don't seem to be just omitting Jamie in the Riverlands. They seem to be completely omitting the Riverlands, the phrase Lady Stoneheart, as far as we know anyway. I mean, that's a huge, huge cut. That's true. It's the butterfly effect from not having Jamie go into the Riverlands. Yeah. That's All a right. good point. Wish yeah. I'd heard it before I made five out. I maybe would have gone with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you're a Stoneheart. I would, yeah, because yeah. I love I love Stoneheart. It's true. <laughs> All right, Lady Gwen, what do you think? Uh, well, they haven't managed to stomp out my last flicker of hope for the Riverlands arc huh. yet. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with Aegon, even though all of these things had big, big, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. impacts uh, uh, on the overall. I think I'm gonna have to go with Aegon as well, uh, because of this for the same reasons basically, but. I do also agree with the Jamie and the Riverlands thing, and I agree with the general commentary that some of these things still have a chance to happen. Aegon the Sixth, I guess, even technically has a small chance to happen, but <laughs> I really don't see it. Uh, the Pink Letter does not have a chance to happen anymore, neither does the crowning of Marcella, but Jamie and the Riverlands could happen. Siege of Marine isn't going to happen, mm-hmm. but I don't know what... The other thing that makes it difficult is we don't know the end result of the Pink Letter. We don't know the end result of Jamie and the Riverlands. We don't know the end result of crowning of Marcella, but we... We don't know the end of the result of Egg on the Six either, but we do know how much is missing because of it. So I'm going to go with Egg on the Six as well. All right. Which gives, which gives that Gwen the win. You didn't quite sweep. No sweep. Four out of six, yeah. though. It was you very strong. Also, that's the reason why John gets stabbed is the pink letter. You're right. Yeah. You're right. We, we, uh, we talked about that a lot in our weekly reviews, how that was one of the motivations was missing for that. And we even asked our Unsullied uh, show reviewer about whether he yeah. thought the John, whether they did it right, whether there was enough motivation to kill John. And he, he was okay with it, but he saw some flaws with it. So, anyway. So, moving on to the biggest spoiler, which has to be prefaced by saying that this is so subjective, how you look at spoilers, what you consider a spoiler. So, I'll mention each one, and we'll, mention, we'll see. For instance, Stannis' death, and slash that he loses a major battle versus the Boltons. Maybe that means something in the books, but maybe it doesn't. I'm of the mind that... I'm not letting m- much of it affect my opinion, period. I don't, like, they could just choose have chosen to kill him. It doesn't mean that he lost the battle in the book. Um, but that is one. And so when giving your answers, maybe which one you consider the most of a spoiler is a good way to judge Yeah, it. I think so. Shireen burning, which is, you know, they had that inside the episode, which is a huge part of it. Hisdar not being the harpy. Mm-hmm. Valyrian steel, which, again, implied in the books, but we don't know if that's, it, it, we, we, it's just... Could be a shortcut. Yeah, it could yeah. be simplification. Yeah, it's it's. I, that's the one I was like, I don't know if we should include that. But um, and then I think the biggest spoiler is that Jamie's going to Dorne. <laughs> but obviously, but uh, they're gonna do that whole thing over again. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be a time travel plot line. Yeah. Um. So let's start with Lady Gwyn. The Shireen thing, because of the inside the episode yeah. discussion, that's the yeah. only one I think we can reliably say is has been spoiled. Uh, Yoke Boy? 
Yes, yeah, Shireen Burning is the only one I consider a spoiler on the list. Cool. I agree with that. Uh, Stefan, what about you? I also think that Shireen is the only spoiler we have on the list because it was cool. confirmed everything else is... You, you simply can't say it. that's the beauty of Season 5. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Uh, Tony? Yeah, she really is a spoiler on the list, but I think the number one thing they ruined, not ruined, but sit, what I, uh, confirmed is Sir Robert Strong is the mountain. I mean, <laughs> that, that was never confirmed, confirmed until right now, really, that everyone thought, but that's confirmation. That's what it is. You know? That's true. That's I a good point. That, yeah. I haven't considered that because I consider it to be just such a certainty, but yeah. you, you are right. That's interesting. Um, it's these. Yeah, I, I think I have to agree with the Shireen thing because there's a good enough. Every other thing has enough reason to suspect something could be different. But yeah, flexibility is a good term for it. Yeah, and even yeah, even like his dar not being the harpy, even his dar could yeah, he could still be the harpy. That doesn't have to be a harpy, and yeah. it could just be part of this you know conspiracy or whatever. Yeah. Valerian, still, every one of those is. I, I can think of a way to justify it. Some yeah. I actively suspect are not spoilers. Like yeah. I think the Valerian Steel thing, I think is is a semi spoiler. I think Valerian Steel is useful against the others, but I don't think it just one touch and mm. it blows them into smithereens. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's quite like that. Uh, and so the the other thing about just the spoilers in general, it's just quick commentary on that is that it's not just something that you we know happens. It's something that we suspect happens. Like I think it's a spoiler. If you go through the books now, suspecting something might be different because of what you saw in the show. Like your brain wouldn't have even gone there if the show wasn't there. Even if you even if you have a healthy doubt for it, it's still going to impact how you you know view the material later. So I'm gonna yeah I'll go with Shireen Burning though because just the flat out the showrunner just flat out saying something that George told them is yeah it's hard to top that. Yeah, <laughs> I have to agree. I wouldn't have even considered that to be a spoiler if they hadn't said. If they just said, when George told us this happened, I'm like, yeah, well, of course, Shireen's because she's going to burn. I already thought she was going to burn. Something was going to happen with that. But for them to couch it in the way that Stannis did it, and there's really no flexibility there for him being involved, it that definitely has to be it for me. That's the only clear spoiler. Yeah. Was... So that one sweeps. All right. Burning. Okay, so let's see. So... We're moving, this is kind of a segue question, we're moving towards the end. We're going to allow ourselves to go over time just a little bit. So let's talk about the stuff that's heading towards next season. So this is kind of moving outside of season five, but some of it is things that we know is coming. But what are we most looking forward to? I've only got three nominees for most looking forward to new location for season six. So the nominees are Old Town, the Iron Islands, and new northern locations. We don't know exactly where else in the north we're going to see, but casting leaks have shown that there's going to be a lot of action in the north. We're going to see some new northern locations. They haven't been specified. But the north is cool, so that's the least specific nomination, but it definitely deserves on the list. So I'll, I'll start with myself this time. Unless you guys have anything else that needs to be added to this yeah. category, do we miss anything? Yeah, the Lothraki Sea is missing because we know for sure that Denny yeah. is... We'll have seeds in the Dothraki Sea. That's a good point. We'll good add idea. that on there. Okay, Dothraki Sea definitely into the season, and we're almost certainly going to see more of it next season. Well, we're definitely going to see more yeah, of it next season. Definitely. Can't imagine she just, like, flashback. Oh, yeah, remember when I was on the Dothraki Sea? <laughs> <laughs> that would be great, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> what the heck? I thought they got a flashback we thought we were getting. <laughs> we thought we were going to go, like, way back. Not... Okay, so, the, so let's see. I'll start with myself on this one. I am... 
Really looking forward to the Iron Islands, but I don't think it will be as cool looking. So, But I think Old Town has the potential to look really, really fantastic. So I'm going to go with Old Town. Uh, Tony, what do you think? What are you most looking forward to next season? Location? Yeah, I am look, I'm looking forward to seeing the Iron Born, but Old Town, I want to see Old Town. Really, right. Old Town and Casterly Rock would be the, the two <laughs> things I would love to see in more than anything. Casterly Rock. Yeah. That's another thing that we should be seeing coming up if they, they hold by what's supposed to happen in the books. Some we point, should yeah. see Casterly Rock. That's right. Okay, Stefan, what's your pick for a location you're most looking forward to? I'm also looking forward to Old Town, but I'm pretty confident that we will also see some Ironborn in Old Town, so uh, that's... The, the oh, yeah. Could be together, yeah. So uh, I'm looking least forward to the Dothraki I have to say. Mm. Okay, so that's uh, a vote for Old Town? Yeah. All yeah. right, uh, Yoke Boy? Uh, I'm just a neutral on this. I'm not. I, I just, just. I don't know. I don't kind of look forward to new things. You're not like looking forward to the show at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, not not in a kind of negative way. It's just something I, I just don't don't really don't really do. So sorry, right. I'm neutral. <laughs> a pass. All right, uh, Lady Gwen. Old Town. Yeah, old Town. Definitely. Looks like Old Town is is crushing yeah. here. Ashea? My answer as well, although I'm pretty worried about what the hell they're going to do there, who they're going to cast, what's going to... I don't yeah. know what to expect in terms of faceless men in Old Town, for mm. instance. Will they or even like, do that? Yeah. Is, I doubt Sorella's there, but is Marwyn there? Like, I just don't know what to expect, but I, I at the very least, I know seeing the Hightower, seeing Old Town itself will be awesome. Mm. So, that... Okay, um, now here's a question with no nominees. I'm just going to ask this question, and this is these are some questions that are kind of burning in the fandom, but they particularly relate to the show. They have their own answers in the books, but that's a whole other subject. So the, the first question, these are very related questions. The first one is, when will Danny arrive in Westeros roughly in the rest of the seasons? Two, assuming there's only two seasons, it's possible that they add another season. They do eight seasons instead of seven. But let's just assume it's only seven so I guess you could say early season six, late season six, early season seven, basically early, mid, or late season for six or seven are the valid answers. Unless you want to name a specific episode, get crazy and just try to really nail it. I'll start with Stefan. What do you think? Episode 10, last shot, next season. Okay, very specific guess there. Six, ten. All right. Tony, what do you think? I would say six, nine, she would hit Dragonstone. She would oh. her herself, not the full army, but her herself would land on there with the dragon. Okay, right on. Uh, Yoke Boy, what do you think? If it is seven seasons, it, they really have to get her there next season. So I'll say at the end of, like like Tony and Steph, on the, the end of, I'm a bit more vague, sometime in the end of season six. Okay, Lady Gwen, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to agree with Steph on I think it'll be uh, the end, the very end of next season. She starts her... Caravan of ships and men, just, just dragons flying above. What do you think, Shay? I gotta say, I the thing that bothers me the most is I just can't see how it'll happen. I just can't see, <laughs> like even with Littlefinger's teleporter, I just there's so many, like, there's so many steps to take. I, I just thinking about like Daenerys and the Dracky Sea, Tyrion, like okay, they I guess they. Tyrion and Varys rule Marine, and she does her stuff for the first half of the season. She gets back mid-season, and then they just get off, and she gets there. I, I, yeah, I guess the f- finale of season six, they ha- she has to be there at the end of season six. <laughs> I can't see any way of, uh, yeah. for her to not be there next Either season. Either be on her way or be just arriving. Or, have the, or they have another season. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. All right, I'm going to also cast my vote for, I'm going to be specific and agree with Stefan, say, 610. I, I kind of thought myself it might even be the last shot. I kind of like Tony's idea of it being one episode shy, so they have a little room to, like, see people's reactions for it. I would That would be fun to see. So, But I'm going to go ahead with 610. Cool. And Okay, so this one, we won't give an award for that one. We're just kind of yeah. giving the audience uh, our thoughts on that one. Same question for Arya. Now, Arya is tougher to me because Danny's arrival in Westeros is heavily foreshadowed. We kind of know that it's going to be part of the larger arc. At least we all kind of suspect that to some degree or another. Arya, of the main characters, to me, is the hardest to figure out what she's going to do in the future because we know she's being trained to kill people, but who? Like, who is she going to go after? She could go anywhere in the entire continent. I could, I could see an argument for her going anywhere from Dorne to the north. Certain locations seem more likely than others. We're not going to debate where she's going to go, but let's guess when she gets back to Westeros. I'll start with myself this time since I was last on the other one. I'm going to say that she comes over a, back over a little sooner than Danny does. I'm going to say that she comes back over maybe as soon as mid-season six, which is I feel like that's going to be rushed. But the show rushes things all the time, so that's not out of line. Tony, what do you think? I always thought that she came was going to come back soon, like after that uh, Mercy chapter, that she was going to bounce back then, and they got uh, Tyrell in the place over there. So I don't think she's going to come back with him, because that's going to be too soon. But episode four, episode five, I think she's going to start heading back. All right. Stefan, what do you think? I also think mid-season sounds about right. Okay. Uh, yep, boy. Uh, seven or eight next season, I think she'll return to the north with another face. Oh, okay. Ooh. More specific prediction. I like that. All right. Lady Gwen, what do you think? Yeah, I also have specific ideas about what she's going to do, but I'll just stick with probably by uh, the second half of the season. I Maybe even as early as episode six. Okay. Michelle, what do you think? Um, am I allowed to mention stuff to do with casting yet? Or should I not give my answer? I, I'm affected by what I've read from casting. I have, like, a theory. Yeah, you can say that. So, folks, uh, if you don't want to be spoiled on casting news, this is now the time. Yes, please. <laughs> but in terms of casting news, we know that there's an acting troupe that they're looking for, and so I'm thinking that Arya, they'll maybe have her join the acting troupe, all of Mercy, even though they already did that. But I'm thinking maybe she joined them, and we know that they're looking for acting troops and mummers and stuff to go to Marine. So I'm thinking it's possible she'll go to Marine. Wow. And then make the drip do so. I don't know. I just I don't even know wow. what Ari is going to do. That's I I'm just was thinking about that. How she could travel far distances. She needs to be with people to make the travel. Uh, that's my theory. Well, you can still guess for when she'll get to West. I think she'll oh to Westeros. I, 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 if, if she's she going to Marine to first, Marine, that means a long detour. Yes, if she goes to Marine, I think she'll get there. Early, early, mid next season, and then get to Westeros when Daenerys does her be gone or something. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I guess if she's going, uh, if she does go to Marine, you think arriving at the same time as Danny. Makes yeah. Um, sense. Otherwise, I think she'll get there like episode up to Westeros, like episode six or seven. Okay. Very good. She nice. Go looks like we, other than that very interesting possibility of Shea has introduced there, where it looks like we're mostly together on thinking it's going to be mid to late next season. So, nothing to do but wait and see how that goes. All right, so folks, we're going to do our credits, and then after that we're going to discuss the casting news a bit, and a little more open discussion, no more awards, so to speak. <laughs> so, thanks to our Hand of the King and First Lord Cash Craig, a.k.a. Vaxis, on the History of Westeros forums, the... Warden of the North is Lord Parker, the Bastard of Starkville, Breaker of the First Stone. Our Warden of the West is Lord Jim, the Fortuitous of Wars and Politics of, Song, of the Song of Ice and Fire blog. Our Master of Coin and First Counselor is Lord Robert Jacobs. 
Master of Whispers is Lord James the Scholar. Grandmaster Itai wears the jeweled collar of many medals. Rosie the Clever is our Master of Laws. Lord James Tuttle is our Master of Ships. History of Westeros Lord Commander is George the Golden. History of Westeros Kingsguard is commanded by Lord Commander Shepard. Uh, Sir Troy the Steady swings the Valyrian Steel Blade Fate as History of Westeros' King's Justice. Lady Diarlys of Castle Naki is the Alpha Patron, Lord Nathan of the Firefort. Dan of the Red Mountains, Lord of the Great Bell and Breaker of the Second Stone. Lady April Lauren Boyd Stark, her castle full of destruction. And Frontier Lord James Knox of the Poker Fort, Hammer of the Dornish Session. That's funny. Rounds out our list of Lords and Lords. We've got, Stefan has to step out, so we're going to go ahead and also go around the room real quick and say goodbye and let everyone re- reintroduce themselves and tell people where to find them. So let's go ahead and do that now. I'll start with you, Stefan, because you've got to run. Yeah, once again, I'm Stefan Sasse. I am a essayist for the Tower of the Hand, which you probably know, and I have my own blog at uh, thenerdstreamera.blogspot.com, at, uh, on which I talk about all kinds of stuff, but also host the Supreme Court of Westeros with Amin Chavadi, who is, in turn, uh, the podcast of Ice and Fire hosts, so uh, lots of names to throw around. Yeah. <laughs> it's after midnight here in Germany, and I really have to split and go to bed. So it was a lot of fun to talk to you, and... Thanks for your participation. All right, yeah, thanks for being here, Stefan. Yeah. We'll hopefully have you on again and work together at some point in the future. Yeah, and it was a great of course, time. Uh, everyone should everyone... check out all of this. Yeah, and, yeah. and of course, Stefan and Ashay and I uh, also work together on Him for Spring, the Tower of the Handbook, so uh, check his contributions out to that as well. Mm-hmm. All right, um, we're, of you, course, we're going to still do our trailer discussion right. here, but Bye. let's go ahead and go through everyone else real quick and, and say your goodbyes for in case people want to... Uh, drop yeah. off and not hear the spoiler information. So, Radio Westeros guys, why don't you uh, tell us where to find you? Yeah, come and check out Radio Westeros podcast at radioestros.com. We've also got a YouTube channel, Radio Westeros. Come and check us out. Right on. And Tony Teflon, tell everyone where to find you. Yeah, you know who I am, Tony Teflon the Don. Yeah, you can find me on uh, my Teflon TV at House Teflon is the name of the YouTube channel because uh, you can't change it when you set it. And I don't know why I'm about to do that. <laughs> you know, but I do Game of Thrones theories, videos, and recaps and everything else. And I also have a new children's book out with the heavyweight oh. champion of the world, Deontay Wilder. And you can find him oh, Barnes and Noble. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm not, that's that's really cool. I didn't know you were an author until I saw your Twitter and like, oh, Tony's yeah, children's yeah. book author. That's awesome. Yeah. Tony, I was a children's book uh, seller for 15 years, so that's very exciting. There you were. Nice. Hey, see, you have a lot in common except yeah. for your thin <laughs> That's right. It's <laughs> not just Game of Thrones around here. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk some casting news for folks who have stuck around yeah. for that. Looks like yes. most of the live audience is still sticking around. So lots start of, with the the marine stuff. I know we have the brother sure, yeah. stuff, but I'm still thinking about that. Um, yeah, let's just go um, ahead with that. Well, first we had the Red Priestess Kinvara. Um, That's a big one. So it yeah. seems that Kinvara is a replacement for like Benero Makoro. It seems that. The Red Temple is pretty female dominated from what we've seen, other than Thoros. Yeah, that's uh, true. That's three out of four Red Priests on the show. Yeah, it makes sense to kind of keep that going, I think. It's easier for a woman to be so magnetic yeah. and intense looking. Um, mm. So we have her talking to Tyrion and Varys, yeah. which is interesting, and maybe they change things, or maybe it's not what we see in the show, but it, it probably is. And so we 
probably an early earlyish scene with that with them. It's clear that Daenerys is still missing at that point, yeah. and that they're looking for ways to control the population, keep people yeah. in line, and religion seems to be the. Way I'm going to say do it's that. probably the first or second episode. That's my guess. Yeah. It's really early if we're thinking Daenerys is going to still be able to get to Westeros, and mm. they she says that they'll she'll bring mummers to the city and other and more priests and stuff like that, and so my big question is. Mummers, we, we saw a casting call for the acting troupe, a whole acting troupe, and we know Arya interacts with actors, but so maybe that's part of Arya's storyline, maybe it's part of the Marine storyline, or maybe it's Bull. Maybe that's how they introduced Penny. I really don't think they need Penny uh, on the show, but <laughs> that doesn't seem necessary. But what do you, what do you guys think? Yeah. Uh, Tony or, or Lady Gwen, or you, have, do you have thoughts on the Kinvara scene or this leak in general? No, I yeah, I just I I pretty much agree with what you said. Although I hadn't thought about the Arya thing. Yeah, that, I I admit that that kind of went over my head too. <laughs> I didn't that, that it was an Arya interacting with an acting troupe, and then when in that video they asked for the mummers, she they said they were going to bring mummers. So I thought, okay, maybe it is an Arya, and I kind of just conflated mm. the two. That That's maybe a good it, that did stand out to me that something. thing about the mummers. So I, yeah. I, well, Tony, what did you think? Yeah, that sounds right to me. I, I never thought about the Arya connection there, but I, it's like I said, I thought that they were going to do the Mercy chapter next year. I thought they were going to have that without a doubt, but yeah. I didn't know how she'd get back because I always thought that she would get back with the person that really went there to get her and uh, with Justin Massey or something like that, but uh, I think that, no, she's going to go back now. What It sounds good to go over there with Danny. It sounds okay. Maybe she'll be a... Turn from a, one of those people to a sellsword, and then just join uh -huh. the troop back with Danny. That's cool. A lot of possibilities there. Yeah. My, my head's a little spinning. I like the, the idea of Arya performing that play for Tyrion. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh man, with Bonnebo oh, and the oh, and everything. It would just, just be yeah. yeah, that would be so perfect. I would oh, just oh, happy. Oh, that would make it for me. Um, but, yeah, I think that's really all there is to say about that, other than it's pretty exciting that we're going to have... There aren't any other new castings for the, for Marine in general, right? No, we just got that, that priestess. We did have the priestess casting as well, as well as the video we saw um, for her, but okay. I don't think there were any other Miranese castings that we could tell, of course. So uh, I guess we should move on to... Yeah, let's talk about the... the Brother Without Banners? It seems... It's, it could be... Yeah, it might be the Brother Without Banners, although none of the names are familiar, which might mean it's just some other group of outlaws. And there's one of them listed as a leader. Yeah, but it does sound like they used to be good guys that turned bad guys, which is why I think of the Brotherhood, because that's clearly what's happening in Feast. And also what seems to be happening is that this, this could be happening... Well, it should be happening in the Riverlands. Of course, if they're not the Brotherhood <laughs> Without Banners, there's a lot of other places they could yeah. be, but... There's other indications we'll be in the Riverlands next season, given the casting of Elder Brother, as which is an interesting question. Will if since their Elder Brother is cast, are we going to see Sandor? Is Sandor going to still be alive in the show? It seems like a combination character. Yeah. Elder Brother does with with Maribald. Except yeah. Maribald yeah. to me. And I still think there is some flexibility with it really being very very significantly different than yeah. what we're expecting. And the other reason I do think Riverlands is highly likely is because Arya still has Walder Frey on her list. Yeah. And they so they haven't forgotten that he exists. And and Arya's list has gotten shorter. The names that just fell off. She she was naming them and then she stopped naming them. But it was reduced to four names this season. One of them is Robert Strong or Robert the Mountain, and he's you know a zombie now or whatever. <laughs> One of them was Mary Trant. She got him. <laughs> so it's just Walder and Cersei. That's the only two names left on her list, really. Unless, unless she is the one who kills the mountain somehow, yeah. that re-kills him. 
So, what are your any takes from you guys, uh, Tony or, or Radio Estrus team, about the, the potential for the Riverlands? Yeah, I think we get to Riverlands with this. I'm hoping we get to Riverlands. Hope we get Jamie there too, and I'm hoping for Lady Stoneheart. I think there's a possibility for all of that with that casting. So, hopefully, they listen to people, or they listen, went on forums and seeing what they did wrong and trying to get it right right now and do that. Do you? What What are some other possibilities? By the way, this is another question I want to throw out for you guys in general: is who is going to be our point of view there? Jamie is a good suggestion. But I also think there's a possibility that Sam and Gilly are our viewpoint mm -hmm. in the Riverlands. They headed out yeah. on their cart. Yeah, yeah. They headed out on the cart, not by <laughs> ship. That was my yeah yeah my concern for them is them yeah. traveling Dangerous. the country in that cart by themselves. Uh -huh. um, yeah, Sam is not exactly a fighter, is he? No, it's like <laughs> Gunk isn't with them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> What's it's just going to be down to Gilly? Uh -huh. I can see them falling afoul of some you know, bandits in the Riverlands, and that's a pretty big plot point for a couple episodes, probably. So here's another here's another question. Where are we going to see Randall Tarley? Are we going to see him near Old Town, because uh, Horn Hill is somewhat near Old Town? Or are we going to see him in the Riverlands, where he is in Feast? Because he's at Maidenpool, hanging outlaws. Right. Right. That could be, we could see him, Sam and Gilly could run into him on their way south, rather than in the south. And that's, yep. that's kind of different than what we had probably a lot of us yeah. initially expected. Of course, we also have the casting of Sam's family. Right. Which, mm. again, doesn't mean that he doesn't see Randall in the Riverlands, and then his father, like, says, yeah, go, go, to the, go home, bring yeah. this child to our house. Or yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that it, they have to be together. Mm. But it could right. mean that we're just going to see Randall at home. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the presence of the family kind of does lean it towards him seeing them in the South, or them seeing them in the South, meeting them in the South. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess there's also a small chance Brienne and Podrick are in the Riverlands, but that doesn't seem very likely. With Sansa still like, being in the north, yeah, like they have to go back south. I don't. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's likely. I don't think that's gonna happen. But. but I do think it's possible for Jamie to get back to King's Landing for them him to then go off there. It makes a lot of sense. What else is he gonna do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So maybe Jamie's gonna run into Sam and Gilly. No. <laughs> I don't think they'll get there soon enough. Any <laughs> other thoughts on the Riverlands from you guys? Anyone. Yeah, no, I think it's like 50-50 for Randall Tarly being there. I think that would be the best way to handle it, to have Sam either see him or run across him unexpectedly there. Mm. Um, unfortunately, I fear that they're probably going to skip that mm. and just have him be at, at, at home at Hornhill. Yeah. Okay, another question. What is Euron, what is Euron Greyjoy going to look like? Is he going to be a combination? It doesn't seem to be Aaron being cast. And, of course, Victorian is, is almost an afterthought at this point because I think we all probably predicted that they would combine Victorian and Euron into one character. I think I saw some people theorizing that the priest character that we thought that we think is elder brother Maribald was going to be something to do with Aaron. That didn't see, I, I can't remember the description, likely. but that didn't seem likely. It seems very yeah. likely, but I, I don't think it's impossible. I think I thought I'd mentioned that people have been theorizing that. Mm -hmm. well, so, so what I'm looking for here is some general thoughts on what we might expect from the Ironborn next season. Any any thoughts out there? Have you guys put a lot of thought into this, or any thought into I th this? I think Euron might just show up to take Danny across. Really? You think so? Yeah, something no about Kingsman. Danny's six cross eye. I think they would get the death of Balon finally with Euron showing up. I think they'll kill Balon off, and then Euron show up in the Islands. Mm. Yeah. And hopefully we can get a King's Moot. That, that's what I would love to see. If I Me could get too. anything, I would love to see a King's Moot. Maybe we can get that. Yeah. That would be so yeah. cool. <laughs> so, what do we think? Do we think we're going to see Ashai? 
Bayron and Euron and the Iron Islands next season. <sighs> yeah, now I think we're we gonna have see, to see them. We're gonna, it seems to me that we're with Old Town, we're getting some Ironborn action with Old Town. The question remains whether Euron will be in Old Town, whether he'll be dealing with Daenerys, both, whether Asha will end up dealing with with uh, Old <laughs> with Old Town. I don't know. I, I do think the Ironborn are going to interact with Old Town based on them casting, just based on both of them being added this season. Yeah, isn't that kind of interesting? Where we've got this the Ironborn appearing, and we're not entirely sure whether we'll get a King's Moot, whether they'll be at Old Town, whether they'll be at Marine. That's a really broad. It's almost like Arya, like she could go yeah. anywhere. You know? Yeah, it is. <laughs> and it is. we, a lot of us thought that the Ironborn were cut entirely back when Dario yeah. made his eye, captured ninety-three Marinese ships, and ninety-three is the exact number of ships that Victorian left with, and. It right. seemed like a nod to that, but it could just mean that you're, they're making it so that Euron doesn't have to go all the way to Daenerys, and that they'll interact uh, in Westeros. Oh, or they'll meet in Daenerys. Like Galantis he'll do his old town thing this season, or, mm, or something. That's yeah. There's a lot of a lot of different possibilities there. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on. Unless there's any more thoughts on that, on those possibilities there, we can go ahead and talk about the, the big flashback moment, which appears mm. to be the Tower of Joy. We're going to get some sort of Tower of Joy action one way or the other. We're, we're almost certainly seeing Arthur Dane cast, and a, a key component of his casting is that they're looking for somebody who's seriously good with a sword, the like real life. Yeah, they, that's what it said, like yeah. best in Europe. So they want, so they're clearly going to be showcasing some actual swordsmanship, which begs the question, who the hell is he going to be fighting yeah. against? <laughs> who's this guy? He's going to, is, it's not, yeah, is it going to be Sean Bean made to look young, or is it... <laughs> yeah, like, what do you guys think? Is it just is it, is it gonna be is it just exciting or is it do we have some some other thoughts on I it? I think we're gonna see Howland Reed with him. I don't think it's gonna be just Ned versus Arthur Dane. I just I, yeah. I, I, they mentioned Howland Reed. I don't think there's gonna be a whole bunch of people with him, but I think it'll be two people versus Arthur Dane, which is still kind of crazy for them to defeat him like that. <laughs> but I think it'll be those two, and so I, I they're gonna have to cast a young Sean Bean. Yeah. That'll be interesting. What, 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 are, what are some other thoughts? What do you guys think? Arthur Dane, excited? I want to see a normal Sean Bean, just, yeah. you know, with a bit of makeup or something. <laughs> Sean Bean back. It will melt soon enough because the guy can't keep his mouth shut. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh, like, gosh, we should, we should bring Sean Bean back, but man, he talks too much. But, yeah, just, <laughs> just don't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> we also have the, uh, What's that? the children. Oh yeah, the young castings. It looks like young Robert, and but so far no leaks of a casting of young Liana. No, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they can get around that. They gotta have Liana, right? Or, I would think so. Anyone? I think they they're going all out with the R plus L equals J. I think they're pushing it. They're telling everybody this is what it is, and it always seemed to me that he was more like a like Achilles. You know, he was really that good, and that's how he died. Some weak guy just shot him with an arrow. So I think that's what's going to happen to him with Howland Reed. He's going to be go out just like Achilles went out. You know, the best sword fighter taken out by some weak guy in the background who shoots mm. a dart. That's a cool parallel. Achilles, yeah, that is really interesting. I, I always imagined he did some sort of Kranigman trick, like which is one of those possibilities is a poison arrow. I thought maybe a net to trip him up. You know, something like, I don't know, something along those lines. Or, and there's also the crackpot idea that it wasn't a fighting thing, which, you know, the show isn't going to do. I don't think the show would do something yeah. like this, but where Howland Reed convinces them to stop fighting. But, yeah, yeah that's, that's a stretch. Yeah, then then Howland Reed marries a short day, too. Yeah. As long as we're going crackpot, may as well go all the way around. Yeah. I think it's possible we don't have a sea of casting call for Liana. 
Although you think there'd be going to be two Liana casting calls because we have like a younger version of her, and then we have we have those two flashbacks. But I think it's possible that for Tower of Joy age Liana, they just have someone already. They just did a private thing. They already knew uh, they wanted. Mm. Um, it's possible, uh, or the or we're going to see the casting call come out soon. I don't know why it wouldn't have come. I mean, I guess the legendary swordsman thing is much harder to cast. Then yeah, Liana, you can't keep that quiet when you're looking uh, for a real life amazing yeah. swordsman. That's too rare, too. It's such a huge uh, thing. Too niche. So yeah. I guess we'll see if we'll see any more casting calls, but I think it's possible they just know who they want. That's possible. Um, it's also interesting to to note that there won't be a seven on three, but I think we all kind of expected that. Once you think about it, it's like well, they always kind of reduce those things instead of law seven of versus conservation three. Of fighting. Law of conservation of fight. Yes, of fighters <laughs> at the Tower of Joy. It's, <laughs> It, it makes sense that it would be two or three on one rather than seven yeah. on three. So no Gerald Dane, no uh, Oswell Went, no Bat guy. Gerald Dane? You mean Gerald Hightower? Gerald Hightower. <laughs> Hightower. I've already covered no Gerald Dane. That's yeah, not him either. Got my uh, Gerald mixed up there. Uh -huh. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk about well, let's, let's let's close out this episode with one final question, and that is which of these new characters is everyone most looking forward to. So out of all the characters we've named, Rehash, Randall Tarley, Elder Brother, Arthur Dane. Young Ned. Young Ned is a possibility. Kin Vara, Young Robert. Yeah, any of the young characters. Who are you most looking forward to out of this list, season six? Also, Euron is a possibility. So Lady Gwen, who's your, who are you most looking forward to next season? Uh, I... The Arthur Dane, just due to my RLJ love. It's my roots <laughs> in the fandom. And um, I wanted to say that the uh, casting of Arthur Dane, it, to me, is the biggest spoiler that Jon Snow is really coming back. <laughs> 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 I mean, come on. <laughs> Isn't that one of the funny things about spoilers? Like, George just gets to keep everything in his head, and, you know, that's it. He doesn't have to, if he doesn't tell people, then no one knows. But the show, like, there's, like, hundreds of people in the know, and yeah. there's cameras and actors on set, and all these things that they just, it's such a, it's another world. It is another world. Okay, so, uh, Yoke Boy, what about your pick? Most looking forward to. Young Ned, come on. I couldn't get enough of Ned. Come on, I'd give anything. I'd give any kind of Ned. <laughs> I would be the longest character gone absent from the show. See, I appeared in season one and season six as a younger version of myself, five years of real life later. <laughs> Tony, what are you most? Who are you most looking forward to now? Uh, Sarah the Dan. I want to see the sword. I just want to see the sword. And I'm glad they mentioned in the casting call that he has a famous sword, so that means yeah. they might be they might be including that. Yeah, don't. So, yeah. Shay, what about you? I'm looking forward to not Arthur Dane in particular. I'm looking forward to the Tower of Joy, mm. the whole stuff. Howland Reed, if he's in it, Young Ned. I'm looking at all of that as a whole. Um, in particular, I really want Septon Maribald's speech. Oh if, yeah. If we get him combined with Elder Brother, yeah. I, I want right. I want that speech. So I, that's what I'm most looking forward to is his speech. I think there's a decent chance we get something kind of like it. Yeah. I think even the showrunners should know that that speech was big. That, yeah. it, that it was important. Like they're not, you know, that we we criticize them, but I, I think they'll recognize that oh, as great writing. We didn't even mention all the Northern Lords. Well, we don't know who they are. Yeah, we don't know who they are, but um, yeah. we have we didn't mention we didn't really talk about them much at all. We that's have true. Those we could talk. Yeah, that's true. We didn't really talk about them. There's some. Okay, so there's a cunning, ruthless Northern Lord who's of a smaller house, and then some sort of Glover-sounding. There's a, a big. Or not not Glover. Sorry, but Umber-sounding. Yeah. yeah. There's a guy, a big guy. It's so weird. They say he has to tower over. This is a weird thing. The casting call says he needs to tower over everyone. 
Mm. But he's only, a, they said he has to be at least 180 centimeters. That isn't very tall. That's like less like six, like six feet. That's like yeah, that's, you don't six, tower Toby over. Turner, yeah. By comparison, Toby Turner is 175 centimeters or so. <laughs> so, like, at least to me, that means that he's not in a scene with Sophie Turner. Yeah, right. Yeah. Have to tower over Kit Harrington, though. Yeah, I'm going to tower over, like, Rick on. <laughs> right. um, and shorter actors, yeah, is my guess. It's kind of notable, I guess. This, I, I actually think it's possible that this, okay, so and then the casting for the the umber sounding lord is a little mm-hmm. interesting because it says like age twenty five to fifty. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. That's broad. Yeah. I think they might be open to replace Great John or just say, okay, well we got a cool younger guy, we're gonna have him be Small John. Yeah, right. But if it's not, if if they got an older guy, they'll just make him the new Great John. New Great John. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I think that that's definitely a number. And the other one, they might just be doing going a different direction with Manderley and making this Manderley plot run through a smaller house, not yeah, introducing White Harbor. Yeah, some skinny guy instead of a big, huge dude, which probably is harder for them to cast. I don't know. Yeah, I gotta say, next season, I'll know for when we do this award show type thing again. Yeah. Um, I already know. They're, I already know they're not going to have Willa Manderley, and I already know she's going to be my number one missing character. Missing character. <laughs> Green-haired Willa. Yeah. Missing, yeah. missing. Uh, yeah. And if she was in it, I would have said Willa's green hair, because I know they won't have green hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I answer my own question as well. I am also most looking forward to Sir Arthur Dane, because they are partly because it's such an important part of the plot, but also because they're specifically looking for someone who's good at sword fighting in real life, which means that... Well, this does set the expectations higher. The bar is set. You're getting a real swordsman. That means we expect a really good action scene. <laughs> so expectations are higher, which means disappointment is more likely, but it also means that the uh, the awesomeness quotient is way up there, which is great. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Looking forward to the new characters. Looking forward to seeing what they do with Elder Brother and Randall as well. I, I don't know if there's as much... That's, that's kind of harder for me to figure. There's more yeah. possibilities there, but... I'm real excited to see what they do with all the maesters... Yeah, 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 the maesters big, as well. Old Town. There's there's one maester who's like a weakling. Yeah, past. but that but that could be like a northern maester. It could be like, anywhere. Who yeah. knows? If, if one maester, it seems likely that he's not like the main maester yeah. in Old Town. Is my guess. Mm. That's my prediction. Mm. Uh, uh, but that's it, folks. We're done. We're done with season five. We will be returning to book centric topics for the rest of the year up until next season starts. Three months of the year TV show. Nine months of the year books. And, but we did put out a book episode during the TV season, so it's, it's a little more, even more book-centric than that. Which we could tell that this TV season was dominating everything <laughs> yeah, based yeah. on, like, here's our, our, our Veil preview chapter right here, and the other one just, woo, <laughs> yeah. right there. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, uh, this is bad, but no, people still, the TV show is what dominates the fandom uh, this time yeah. of year. And... We learned our lesson on releasing book episodes. <laughs> That's right. So did I. So let's go ahead and close out with, with everyone talk about what's, what's up next for them on their channels. Uh, oh, Tony, yeah. what's up next for you? What are the next few subjects you're covering over there on uh, Teflon TV? Well, I'm doing uh, how the Song of Ice and Fire will end. I'm doing that, and I'm also doing another uh, uh, season five wrap-up thing there. But mostly I'm doing how the Song of Ice and Fire will end. Talking more, this one is about uh, the Starks, Jon Snow, Targaryens, and the Children of the Forest. All right, cool. cool. Looking forward to that one. I'll, we'll be checking that out as well. And Radio Westeros, what do you guys have coming up? 
Well, uh, you know, we have uh, just released our Battle of Fire episode, and we're going to follow it up with Daenerys. Then we have a deep dive into Tywin Lannister. Oh, yes. And uh, we're gonna, we're starting to research uh, Theon and um, the North Remembers, two separate episodes. Very cool. That sounds great. You guys can remember that Aziz made an appearance on their Battle of Fire episode. That's yes. right. And I will be making an appearance on their Tywin episode as well in a different capacity. In a different capacity. Uh-huh. I will be playing the Raids of Castamere on classical guitar for for that episode. That's what Aziz has dusting his off, in, dusting off my old music skills. <laughs> I haven't put that to use in a while, so that'll be fun. We're very and excited. And like I said at the beginning of our episode, what, what's coming up next for us is the next Blackfire episode. It'll be focused on Damon Blackfire himself, and uh, we'll be having Stephen Atwell back as a guest for that. And we'll be following that up with episodes on Bitter Steel and Blood Raven and, and the Red Grass Field itself. And we'll also be working on the Tragedy of Summerhall and our support group book episode for dealing with what may or may not be a spoiler <laughs> in the show. And that's kind of an ongoing process. I haven't exactly figured out how I'm going to do that yet. There weren't quite as many spoilers as we might have thought. And as oh, we yeah. talked about this episode, there are things that probably aren't spoilers that might be. But that's part of the point, is to discuss those things. And, and to, some people are worried. Some people are very anxious about those things. And, and it might help to hear our takes on why those things aren't spoilers. Mm-hmm. So... That was a longer explanation than I needed for that episode. <laughs> but thanks to our great guests. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Lady Gwen. Thank you, Yoke Boy. Thanks to Stefan and Steve the friggin' Italian who had to drop off those, early. Those Steph's. Those Steph's. Always leaving early. <laughs> <laughs> Something about that name. <laughs> no, just kidding. Thanks to everybody for joining. Thanks to the li- people who watched us live. And thanks for everyone who went through Season 5 with us. We'll be back for Season 6, and we'll certainly be back very soon with book-centric topics, which we're very eager to get back to. So thanks to everybody, and Valar Margolis.